The Fleeting Prince by Jacob Mark Schaefer Print Publication by Bold Ventures Press This production is brought to you by The Jake Schaefer Campaign and is read for you by Jacob Mark Schaefer The Fleeting Prince by Jacob Mark Schaefer In the age of foundation, there was nothing, nothing but the void of infinite darkness. But the voice of the Creator fluttered against the face of the void, saying, Let there be light. And light was, and with it came illumination, exposing an abyss of cold and distant land below. The everlasting serpents, now revealed by the great light, coiled in anger. The eternal giants, now uncovered, appeared from the forests, and humankind, now empowered by the light, emerged from the mountains. With the strength of gods they waged war, serpents, giants, and man. Mountains crumbled, great forests were leveled, and many fell into the seas until finally the giants were no more. Then, from the heavens, they descended, the watchers sent to guide mankind. Betral, the first of the Black Flame, the Sorcerer of Armoros, with the knowledge of enchantments, Azazel, the Lord of War, and Shem, who held the knowledge of all names. With the Watchers there to lead man, the tides of war turned against the serpents. Azazel taught man the ways of war, and with the fire Betral, mankind burned their flesh. The enchanted armor of Armros kept them safe from poison, and Shem revealed the serpents' names, separating the chasm and casting them into the depths. With the serpents abolished, the voice of the Creator called out to the Watchers, saying, Return! But they did not. Worshipped as gods, they stayed, placing themselves above the cities of man and ruling as tetrarchs. The age of man deferred. Thus began the age of watchers. From A History of Beginnings, author unknown, The Age of Watchers. Chapter 1 Men of bones stalked across the hallway, never once turning their heads towards the cell, never once looking inside. They couldn't if they wanted, stuck almost in a dream. Their armor was heavy, but it didn't show. Large, circular shields of iron were carried with ease. Thick chainmail covered their heads and chest, falling down below their waists. In their hands were simple straight swords, the steel old and chipped. They paced endlessly, never stopping, never taking a break. Their slow steps rattled their chainmail. The tip of their swords dragged limply on the stone floor behind them. Their minds gone. They were shadows of themselves. Lennox sat inside his cell with his back leaning against the wall. How long had he been imprisoned? He could not remember. His eyes were closed, and he listened to the steps of the guards. He was beginning to forget what they looked like. Not the charred and empty faces they wore now. Their true faces what they were before they had become hollow. What were your names again? I'm beginning to forget. 
Lennox spoke the words aloud, but to no effect. The hollowed men continued their empty walk. Goliff, right? He asked, watching as one of the men strode across his cell. I don't remember your brother's name, but then he never spoke, at least not to me. Large torches hung on the walls in each direction. Great thick spirals of iron held the flames, casting warm light into the air. We could have helped each other. It would have been mutually beneficial, I think. But alas. The roof shook. He tilted his head back. It was hard to look up in his armor, but he managed. He kept his gaze on the wooden beams above and waited. The roof shook a second time, and then a third, then a fourth. Hmm. He looked back towards the iron bars and watched. Not long now, he thought. The roof shook a fifth time, and a sixth, and then he stopped counting. He was waiting for the caretakers. He wouldn't have to wait long. Not with the beast rampaging so markedly. They would come soon. Too much to repair if they waited long. The undead cathedral was large, and had been built tall and strong. But time had passed, and the stones were old and weary. And with the bishop dead, most of the caretakers had left. But not all. Lennox smiled underneath his helm and waited. He could wait. Though he was tired of his cell, it was a primal place. Dark and damp, with a hole cut into the stone floor that acted as a latrine. He had never once used it, but the unbroken stench still lingered in the air, his constant companion. He could endure it. He had endured so much already. A bench of rotten wood acted as a bed, but it was even more uncomfortable than the floor. At least the floor was even, and he had grown accustomed to sleeping in his armor. How long since he had taken it off? He could not remember. To take it off meant death. The room grew cold. Lennox watched the torches on the wall begin to dwindle down until only the smallest flames remained. The men of bones continued their march. When around the corner, two other men approached. Cloaked in black with their faces hidden, they moved like ghosts, almost floating across the hallway. The cows were pinned forward, hiding their smooth white skin from the light of the flames but not from Lennox. They walked in a single file, each of them turning to look inside the cell as they passed. I see you, Lennox said as he peered inside their eyes, past their enchantments, into the deepest part of what they were. They continued to move past his cell when Lennox spoke aloud, words in a language he should not have known. The caretakers faltered, pausing momentarily. Lennox smiled beneath his helm, but a moment later they continued, and his smile vanished. Pity. He shook his head. I felt so sure this time. He watched them reach the end of the hallway and begin to ascend the stairs when suddenly he called out to them. Weren't there three of you last time? But they were already gone, the hallway abandoned except for the hollow guards. A great pounding shook the cathedral from above then, and continued for some time before gradually growing quiet. The wooden beams above ached as they went back and forth with the sway of the great stones they supported. One of the beams could endure no longer, and split down the middle, tossing up a puff of dust that lingered in the air for the briefest of moments before drifting down 
and finally settling onto Lennox. He hardly seemed to notice. The great pounding ceased, and all had been still for some time before once again the flames diminished. Lennox watched his breath pour out of his helm and disappear into the frozen air. With each inhale, the air grew colder and the flames a little bit darker. Not a sound could be heard as the caretakers descended the stairway, not so much as a whisper. They kept their eyes forward this time as they passed, no longer interested with the man in the cage. Lennox said nothing. He was done for the time being. He had failed again, but no matter. He would triumph in the end. It was the only certainty he knew. With the caretakers gone, peace returned to the undead cathedral. The burning torches grew brighter, casting their light into Lennox's cell. The outline of shadowed bars fell upon him, quivering gently. The men of bones continued their march, and he watched them for some time, until finally he closed his eyes. Not to sleep. He no longer slept. But to dream a living dream, and to help time pass. He had been in here so long, how much longer must he wait? It was irrelevant. Eventually all ages must come to an end. An unfamiliar sound boomed throughout the stone archways of the cathedral. Lennox opened his eyes, lifting his sights up first to the wooden beams above, and then back down towards the guards. If they had heard the disturbance, they showed no signs of it. All was quiet for some time, and Lennox was beginning to doubt what he had heard when a loud and shrill scream echoed in the distance. It was not the cry of an undead. Little or nothing at all left their mouths once they had become hollowed. This was a man with blood and soul intact. Lennox was unsure how many guards still remained in the undead cathedral. How many men would this mystery knight have to fight through? What was his constitution? How strong was his will? Was he here to ring the bell atop the tower? With each scuffle the sounds of battle and clashing swords drew nearer, but it had drawn near in the past, only to fall short like so many times before. Lennox would not be taken in. He remained a statue. With his back against the wall and his eyes forward, he would wait for the knight's arrival. Salvation was close. It would not be long now. Finally, the knight appeared. Lennox could hear him before he could see him. The familiar sound of a suit of armor was known to him. The heavy steps of a man of war were unmistakable to those who knew how to listen. The men of bones were pulled out of their dream. They both stopped just outside of Lennox's cell and stood with their shields raised and their swords held high, watching as the knight approached. A small part of what they once were returned, just enough for them to do their job, enough to kill an intruder who walked unwelcome inside the undead cathedral. At last the knight stepped into view, a beast of a man, over six feet tall in height, his armor charred black from head to toe. He wielded a large kite shield in one arm and a one-handed war hammer in the other. Engraved into the iron and sprouting up from the bottom of the shield was the image of an arch tree. He was a sight to all who laid eyes on him, and even Lennox was surprised. The guards moved towards him with reckless speed, swinging the swords down upon the intruder. The Black Knight blocked their attacks with ease, turning the shield sideways so that he could not be flanked. Slowly he pushed forward. Occasionally they struck at him, 
but each time he simply blocked the attack and took another step through the hall until finally he was just outside Lennox's cell. The Black Knight glanced upwards and seeing that the roof had risen, rushed forward, swinging his shield to the side and casting Goliath to the ground. He lifted his great warhammer and brought it down on the second guard who was attempting to raise his shield. The hammer hit the shield like thunder and sent it crashing down. The knight brought his hammer up for a second strike, and this time the hammer found its mark, crushing the guard's skull beneath its heavy iron. He fell limply to the ground just as Gulliff rose. They faced each other for a moment, the black knight and the hollow ghoul. Lennox watched, a quiet spectator. Gulliff shifted backwards before lunging towards the knight. Lennox didn't think the undead could move so quickly. The black knight sidestepped and brought up a shield deflecting the sword at an angle before charging into Gulliff and pinning him against the iron bars of the cell. In one smooth gesture, the knight quickly let go of his warhammer and drew a dagger from his side. He brought the blade up to Gulliff's face and leaned forward. A moment later, Gulliff went limp. The black knight stepped backwards, removing his blade from the hollow skull. Gulliff fell to the ground with a crash, his round buckler rolling loudly on the stone floors before coming to a halt. Well done. You handle yourself beautifully, Lennox said. He was standing now and moved up close to the iron bars. Had he wished, he could have reached through and touched the Black Knight. Had he wished. The Black Knight shifted his gaze up towards Lennox and examined him for a moment. Oh, still human, are you? He wiped off his dagger and returned it to its sheath. Then he took a step back and picked up his warhammer and leaned it against the wall before looking once more at Lennox. His eyes took in the Golden Knight standing inside his prison. Why is there a cell inside a cathedral? Lennox folded his arms. Well, there certainly is a reason, but not one that I know. It was already here when I arrived. The Black Knight stood silent for a moment, and then turned and took up his warhammer, and began moving towards the stairs. Sir, I would not go to the roof alone if I were you. A giant gargoyle guards the tower, and I have yet to see anyone return alive. The Black Knight turned. A gargoyle? Lennox nodded. He guards the bell tower? Yes. The Black Knight moved back towards Lennox and stopped just outside the bars. Tell me about the creature. Please. I have duties that cannot be left undone. Release me, and I will tell you all I know, and fight with you against the creature. Are you here to ring the bell of calling? Of course. But that honor will be yours if you free me from this cell, and I will be in your debt. My sword will be yours, and I will help you fight against the creature. The strange knight considered Lennox's words for a moment and then turned to leave. You're lying. Sir, my blade will be yours. I give you my word. If you leave me here, then I am sure to die, and dying men's lips seldom lie. Farewell, Golden Knight. Heavy iron footsteps disappeared down the hallway as warm light flickered against the charred black armor of ash. Slowly, the giant knight disappeared up the stairwell. Yet another lamb rushes to slaughter, Lennox thought.
He turned and walked back towards the wall of a cell and sat down, leaving one of his legs bent to lean against. The hollow guards lay dead in the hallway, truly dead now, and no longer moving. Golov's twisted and broken face lay in plain sight. Another wasted opportunity, Lennox said aloud, shaking his head. He had time. His vision was narrow inside his helm, but he wore a male coif instead of a steel-collared gorget, which let him turn his head freely. He tilted his head back and looked up towards the wooden beams, carrying his gaze past the wood towards the stone roof above. There was a crescent-arced window cut out of stone high above that would have let in light had there been any to let in. Endless darkness lay just outside the crescent moon, but he gazed up at the window nonetheless, until finally the roof began to shake. It was different than before, a true fight, not just a hungry beast. He was hoping for a show, and was not disappointed despite his limited view. Streams of fire flew past the crescent window, lighting up the night and illuminating the beast. Only for a moment, but still the great gargoyle was revealed. The beast appeared just as Lennox had remembered him, and then the flames were gone, and with them the beast. The roof continued to shake as the fight went on. The Black Knight seemed to be doing better than Lennox thought he would, but eventually the flames stopped, and soon after a quiet calm returned to the undead cathedral. The stones were once again silent. The shaking ceased. The caretakers would come again, it was rare to see them so soon after their last visit. Golov's twisted head lay staring at Lennox. Dark, empty sockets where eyes should have been haunted him. Endless gawking, as though it were all one big joke. Lennox had seen dark souls staring back at him before. He could bear the eyes of some undead soldier. Still, it wasn't pleasant if he thought about it. He considered turning the head away, but ended up leaving it as it was. In the quiet calm of his cell, he could hear a latch begin to open, and the heavy footsteps of a fully clad knight descending the stairwell. The black iron knight returns at last, Lennox thought. It's bad luck, I didn't catch your name. The black knight's movements were not what they had once been. They were dull and sluggish, the movements of a dead man made up only of bones. His armor was still intact, but was cracked all along the chest piece and dented inward. Lennox watched the knight move and speculated how he might have died. Crushed to death, I suppose, he thought. The traditional smell of burnt flesh was absent. Why is that? He had seen the flames. It was something to ponder, so he didn't mind. Anything to help pass the time. He watched the Black Knight slowly stalk through the stone hallway, meticulously making his way around Golov and his dead brother. He was much louder than the brothers had been, but the change was welcome. Soon the flesh would rot and the smell would be unpleasant, but that would pass quickly. Overall, it would be a nice adjustment. He had enjoyed his conversation with the Black Knight, much more than with the brothers. He let his head fall back against the wall and watched the endless march of the Black Knight. The caretakers would come soon, too soon for him to try another incantation. But as always, their coming was welcome. 
They arrived even sooner than he thought. Distant and hushed footsteps echoed down the hallway, but a strange thought quickly occurred to him. Lennox let out a breath, but saw nothing. The air was warm. The torches on the walls burned bright, and he remembered that the caretakers made no noise when they moved. He looked at the dead corpse of Golof and his brother. They had not been moved. The Black Knight continued his march up and down the hallway, undisturbed by the noise. How long had he closed his eyes? It was hard to gauge time, now that it no longer mattered. Lennox sat up. He looked at the wooden beams and then passed them to the crescent window, and then down to the black night. The distant footsteps were not so distant anymore. They were close, just around the corner. And then he appeared. Lennox's eyes grew narrow inside his helm. Dressed more like a thief than a knight, he wielded a dark blue short bow and was gliding down the hallway the bow drawn back and arrow knocked. He moved quietly towards the Black Knight, who remained oblivious to the stranger's presence. The Black Knight turned and the stranger released the arrow. It flew fast and true, catching the knight in the opened, Y-shaped slit of his bare boot helm. The knight faltered for a moment before falling to his knees. In a flash of silver, the stranger drew his scimitar and brought it down across the Black Knight's neck sweeping it from one shoulder blade to the other. The iron helm flew against the wall as the headless body crashed loudly against the floor. The stranger quickly turned back and dropped to one knee, listening quietly to the murmurs of the cathedral. Soon, the last echoes of the black night died, and a quiet calm fell upon the stones. The torches burned softly, and inside his cell Lennox remained unmoved. Still settled with his back against the wall, he could as well have been a corpse. The stranger was different than the others before him. No enchantments, or none that he could see. Yet there was an element of sorcery about the man, something that he could not place. That alone made him wonder. The stranger rose. He sheathed his scimitar as he made his way back to his bow and picked it up off the ground where he had let it fall. He spun it around in his hands checking for cracks, and then pulled on the string to test the tension. Satisfied, he walked back over to the Black Knight and took the arrow out of his eye and cleaned it off before returning it to his quiver. When he had finished, he made his way back in front of Lennox's cell and took a seat opposite him and leaned back against the wall so that he mirrored the prisoner. He rested his bow against his knee and looked up. I was told about you. Perhaps I was too hopeful. As you are now, I don't see how you can help me. Well, this is strange, Lennox thought. He leaned forward slightly, his armor shining gold in the torchlight. Oh, I certainly see how it might appear that way. I suppose it comes down to what you mean by helping you. If you can take me at my word, I promise you, I'm rather capable. I'm sure I can assist you in whichever pursuit you might ask of me. I'm actually quite curious how you know me at all, but that can wait. If you're here to ring the bell, then I must warn you that there is a dangerous beast that guards the tower. If you release me from this cell, I will swear my sword to you 
and help you fight the beast. I'm not here to ring the bell, and I don't need your help against the gargoyle. I already know I will have its head. The wonders never cease with you, stranger. You know so much, yet I know not even your name. I am Shiva of Cateron, captain of the guard and first warden to Oracle Seolasun, and you are Knight Lennox of Martial. Lennox leaned back and ran his hand against his knee. I have not heard that name in a long time. I was called that once, Knight Lennox of Martial. It was so long ago. How is my city? How is Martial? It is a silent city, Shiva answered. He said the word slowly. Full of monsters and magic. Only treasure hunters and madmen go there, in search of the four. I see. I'm sorry to hear that. I appreciate your candor, Sir Shiva. Just Shiva, he replied. My mistress would have a word with you. I have come to take you to her. In Cateron, Shiva nodded. Lennox looked up at the crescent window and the darkness that lay past it. He sat motionless in the seclusion of his cell, looking out at Shiva. The hard stone floor beneath him was comforting. He had grown accustomed to it, the darkness of his ancient home. His prison did not bother him, but the unease he felt as he gazed out at Shiva upset him. The man was more than he appeared to be. Very well. If you release me, I will accompany you and speak with your mistress. She will ask a service of you. You must swear that you will see it through. That is the price of your freedom. What is it she would have me do? If I knew that, I would tell you. I know not what my mistress sees, but I believe whatever she may ask of you will take you back to Martial. Ah, what wonderful luck. I wish to return to my home. I have work I must get back to there. It is quite important. To me at least. I have left it alone far too long now. Yes, far too long. Shiva pushed himself up off the ground and slung his bow upon his shoulder. Lennox watched him closely, his eyes hidden behind the slit of his helm. There was something troubling about the warden that he could not place. He watched as the strange man stepped close to the cell and slung back his leather hood. After seeing Shiva fight, he had pictured him as young, but he was not. At least, he could not put an age to him. At first, he was struck by how old the man looked, but the longer he looked, the more he realized it was a weariness that he carried. There was a distrust about his large, dark eyes, a hint of knowing that no man could be trusted. For a moment, Lennox thought those eyes could see through him, see him as the man he was beneath his armor. This is a very dangerous man, he found himself thinking, and rightfully so. Lennox rose and stepped close to the bars so that Shiva was but several feet away. He found himself looking up to the man, a head taller than him at least, one hand resting on the hilt of his sword. His clothes were a dark grayish black that faded into shadow, 
and black leather boots that were silent and mute. His hair was long and black, pushed back from his face so that it rested at his shoulders. That face was weathered but youthful, except for the eyes. I would have you swear your service to my mistress, Shiva said. Lennox nodded. I swear it. I would have you swear an unbreakable oath, he said. Lennox was surprised when he saw the man reach through the bars and open his hand, revealing a red copper ring that grew wide at the top and was engraved minutely with indecipherable script. He was stunned to find that he could not read the lettering. A frightening magic pulsed forth from the copper band. This is old magic, he said, his eyes locked on the ring. Where did you come by such a thing? Ah, you have keen eyes to notice so quickly. My mistress gave this to me. It will bind you to your word. If you were to abandon your duty, well, the world is not big enough to hide you from me. This ring's twin, Lennox whispered. Your mistress wears it. Shiva nodded. She made them, the pair, and bound them to each other as brother and sister. More like master and slave, Lennox growled. This is dangerous magic. Only if you break your oath. What is it she wishes me to do? I have told you already. I do not know. But I will be with you, and two others as well. To Martial? In the end, yes. But I cannot say when. You are the second of three I was sent to gather. The first is waiting for us outside of this mountain, and the third resides in the Wizard's Guild, near Solaire. Lennox reached his hand toward Shiva's and left it hovering just above the ring. How long had he been imprisoned? An eternity. He could continue waiting. Another night would come, eventually. One who would free him with fewer demands. It was a great debt before him, and the weight of the ring was heavy. Could he bear it? He was not one to go against his word. I'm simply trading one prison for another, he thought. He picked up the ring and looked up toward Shiva. My work has waited a long time. I suppose it can wait a little bit more, he said, and slipped off his glove before placing the ring onto the ring finger of his left hand. He quickly replaced his glove. Now, I would be very grateful to you if you could free me of this cell. If you make your way to the stairs just down the hallway, you'll come to an attic. There should be a wooden case hanging on the inside wall. The key should be there. Shiva smiled, and Lennox questioned if he had just made the wrong decision in taking the ring. He could feel it burning him where he stood, its magic calling out to its master. It was then that he saw a similar ring resting on the middle finger of Shiva's hand. Curious, he thought. He watched as Shiva stepped away, his eyes still taking in the golden knight, weighing him upon the scales of his mind. There was no telling how well he had measured. The stranger turned and made his way along the hallway, placing his hood back upon his head as he reached the stairwell and ascended.
Lennox looked down at the engraving of his ring. The etchings of letters and symbols that he could not identify was alarming. A new form of lettering, possibly? But it looked familiar. He twisted the ring on his finger and attempted to pull it off. It remained firmly in place. He smiled. That would have been too easy. Dropping his hands, he looked out of his cell towards the stairwell. Where was Shiva? More than enough time had passed for him to have found the key and returned. The roof began to shake. No! Lennox shouted as he looked up to the crescent moon window. No, no, no! That imbecile! Why? What are you doing? The stones creaked and groaned as blasts of fire flashed across the window, an endless stream of flame. Left, then right, the fire roared, and right, then left, dodged Shiva. Lennox could catch only glimpses through the window. His angle was horrible, and the fight quickly drifted further and further from the crescent frame. The cathedral shook as it always did when the beast raged war, an endless pounding as the massive creature flew into the air before pouncing down upon its prey. Lennox had seen it before, and he watched it now in his mind. Again, the fighting lasted longer than he imagined it would, but soon the flames were sparse and the pounding on the roof began to diminish until the stillness of the stones returned. That fool, Lennox thought, as rage began to take him. He grabbed at the iron bars and screamed into the silence, and that is when he heard it. Overtaking his calls of anguish came a piercing shriek, a long, drawn-out call of death. It was nothing close to human, more beast than man. It was something else, a demon. Lennox's hands ran down the rough, iron bars. The cold texture was lost upon his thick gloves. He stepped along the bars until he reached the far corner wall of his cell, hoping for a glimpse of something, anything through the crescent window. Lennox's heart raced. He was not afraid. Far from it. A rapturous hope filled his heart. It seemed as though he had been standing a long while, when at last he heard the faint sound of footsteps descending down the stairwell. Lennox wished Shiva would hasten his return. As it was, there was nothing for him to do but wait. When at last Shiva appeared, he was moving rather slowly, and was favoring his right leg. Still, his movements had a certain grace to them, a poise lost to men who donned full suits of armor, such as himself. Lennox found himself watching the mysterious stranger in a daze, the limping figure moving towards the door of his cell, his hand gripping a large circular ring with an excess of keys dangling and clinking together with each step. He stopped just outside the door opposite Lennox. Which one is it? he said, lifting the large ring up for Lennox to see. Ah, well, let me look. He reached his hand out and took the ring from Shiva, pushing the keys aside one by one until he reached the end. He held the ring up and passed it back to Shiva. I couldn't say. I guess you'll have to try them all. An irritated scowl flashed across Shiva's face. It was gone a moment later as he quietly went about trying each of the keys on the cell door. One by one he tried them all until at last the key turned inside the lock, and the door swung open. You'd better be worth all of this, Shiva said, staring at Lennox through the open door. I imagine we'll find out soon enough. 
the both of us. And with that, Lennox stepped outside of his cell and closed the door behind him. Chapter 2 Lennox stood outside with his hand still resting on the door. He looked inside. Three stone walls, a bed of rotten wood. The room reeked of stale death. It had been all he knew for so long. How much had changed, he thought. More than he dared imagine. Irrelevant. He would resume his work where he had left off. He rolled the oathkeeper ring around his finger. He had time. He could feel Shiva's eyes on his back, ever watchful. Not much escaped that one. Lennox was sure of that. He turned his back to the prison. Shiva was leaning against the wall, his hand resting gently on the hilt of his sword. His hood pushed back, showing his face. How is your leg? Lennox asked. Shiva watched him closely. I only asked because it seemed like you were favoring it a little. Once I retrieve my things... I believe I can help you, at least a little bit. I'm no mage, but I know a few minor healing spells. Without answering him, Shiva turned and began making his way towards the stairwell that led up to the attic. Lennox followed, making note that Shiva was indeed favoring his right leg, but mostly pleased to be free of the cell. He knew he would get out eventually. There was no uncertainty about that. But still... It had been trying and unpleasant, more so than he had imagined. The undead guards had offered little solace. To be utterly alone is an awful thing. They reached the stairwell and ascended. The stairs were narrow and led to a single square room lit by torches, with a ladder that led to the roof in the corner, and a wooden hatch that was unlocked and open. Large barrels lined the walls, dark, rotten wood that looked dulled in the light, Weapons filled each barrel to the brim, some of them so full the swords and daggers and axes had overflowed and were scattered on the ground in large piles. The oldest of the iron blades had rusted away to nothing long ago, leaving behind red stains on the old stones where they had once rested. An eternity has come and gone, Lennox thought. For a moment he wondered just how long he had been imprisoned. It scarcely mattered. He walked over to one of the closer barrels and picked up a small sword that had been resting on top of the pile. Lennox remembered them all, each and every blade, and the knight who'd carried them. Many of them became his own personal guard, like the Black Knight and the brothers before him. So many, yet they all fell to the gargoyle. Lennox turned. Shiva was stepping from barrel to barrel, looking inside. What are you looking for? he asked. Shiva either ignored the question or was too preoccupied to hear it. Lennox assumed the first. He stood watching as Shiva began pulling out weapons and tossing them to the floor. Not all of them were old and shattered. Some of the steel was well made, castle forged with jewels glittering in the hilt and blade. Shiva tossed them to the ground, the red rubies scattering across the stone floor like sparks of fire. I need an axe, a large one. Heavy, and with a sharp blade, Shiva said. Oh, well I can help you with that. Without waiting for a reply, Lennox turned and looked furtively out across the room at the different barrels. He walked slowly across the room until he found what he was looking for. He stepped up close to one of the barrels and tipped it over, 
spilling out the contents, blades and swords alike. Here, he said, and knelt down before pulling out a huge double-bladed battle axe, a cruel weapon, heavy and sharp on both edges. Why, look at you. That will service me nicely. Shiva moved towards Lennox, who handed him the axe happily. You have a fine blade, Lennox said. What do you need this for? The beast's head, Shiva answered. He handled the axe with ease, a heavy war blade that Lennox could scarcely lift. He watched Shiva move towards the ladder and begin his ascent. The man was an everlasting mystery to him. He followed up the ladder and emerged upon the rooftop of the undead cathedral. It was just as he remembered it to be. The large, slanted roof was long and wide. Entire sections of the wooden shingles still burned red from where the gargoyle's fire had landed. Some of the wood still glowed fiery and black like coals. On the other side of the roof stood the bell tower, its entrance a small doorway one must cross the roof to reach. Lining the tower were spiring torches like the ones inside the cathedral, but larger, much larger. Their fire was the only light the cathedral would ever see. Their flames were bright, their reach long. Even from here Lennox could see them illuminating the walls of the mountain which surrounded them. He could not quite see the roof of the cave, but the light crawled up the cold stone walls to an incredible height. He stepped off the stone ledge onto the roof his eyes landing upon the beast that lay slain by the bell tower, resting on its side almost as though it were sleeping. Shiva was already moving towards the beast, the mighty axe in hand. He was moving slowly, limping slightly as he walked. Lennox followed. Do you plan on cutting him into pieces? Lennox asked. The beast was larger than he remembered, nine feet tall at least with broad shoulders, broader than any two men put together. A towering giant. The gargoyle spear lay fallen beside it. A black piece of iron, long and sharp. The longest spear he had ever seen. No, Shiva answered. I only want its head. Naturally. You should have let me fight the beast with you. Perhaps then you would have avoided that injury to your leg. And have you shared in the hunt? Ha! Shiva was looking at him with a wildness in his eyes. It left just as quickly as it had come, but it had not escaped Lennox's notice. He watched the hunter move towards the gargoyle's head and then stepped to the side, carefully lining up the blade of the axe. He took off the beast's head with a single, sure stroke. Blood sprayed out across the rooftop, red as wine, shining brightly in the torchlight. Lennox watched it seep into the cracks. The wooden shingles drank it eagerly, and dyed the dark wood black. A hint of a smile touched Shiva's mouth as he dropped the war axe and walked towards the severed head. He picked it up by the horns and displayed it to Lennox as his prize. The lone hunter scores the best treasure, he said. Lennox nodded. I must ask, what treasure is the gargoyle's head to you? Oh, don't worry now. I will show you when we return to Caterone. Why spoil a surprise? Shiva knelt down and produced a large black sack and placed his treasure inside. He slung the sack over his shoulder and turned to face Lennox. I appreciate your patience. My work here is done and we are free to leave now. 
Perhaps you should retrieve a blade from the armory before we depart. Thank you, yes. Though there is one more task I must do before we leave. Lennox was already moving towards the tower as he spoke. Hmm. Shiva followed after, content with his treasure, and curious as to what business the Golden Knight could have in the bell tower. He felt foolish a moment later when they began to climb the stairs toward the top. You wish to ring the bell of Colleen? My mistress says it's a fool's errand. I'm growing more and more curious about your lady soon, Lennox replied. She knows much. I have never heard of such a powerful seer. Lennox waited for Shiva to reply, but after a moment of silence, he continued. She's correct. It is a fool's errand. For anyone but me. How so? Shiva asked, but this time it was Lennox's turn to stay quiet. The bell of calling hung at the top of the tower, mounted upon a headstock cast of iron, and fixed upon two stone pillars to bear the weight. The bell itself was cast of silver and gold, as well as some copper and tin. Writing was engraved from the top to bottom around its circumference. What does it say? Shiva asked. It's a record. Lennox answered. Shiva stepped up close to the bell and ran his fingers across the imprinted script. It looks old. It is old, Lennox replied. It very well might be the oldest bell ever made. It once sat atop the third temple of Ralar during the Age of Foundation. Some say the four lords crafted it themselves and that it rang loud, signaling the victory of the lords when the final serpent was slain. At least, that's what some say. Lennox was circling the bell, looking for the rope and switch. He found the lever fastened to the stone floor opposite the staircase. The switch was cast of the same gold and silver as the bell, the same copper and tin. It was almost as tall as Lennox, coming just up to his chest. It's not true, though. Shiva watched as Lennox grabbed at the lever and tugged. Huh. Lennox stopped and took a knee and looked down at the base of the lever. It's rusted through. He placed his hands back on the lever and set his foot against the wall and pushed. After a moment there was a clear and audible click, and the lever released. Lennox pulled it back and stepped away. The web of ropes that hung above the bell began to move and any slack in the lines grew taut before at last the great bell turned. It reached the height of its arc and dropped, swinging wide. The internal clapper at last found the hollow cup of the bell and released. It was perfect. The large bell struck note on E, its hum tone a near octave below. All else rang true. The minor third, fifth octave, and major third sang beautifully, its sound untainted by the passage of time. The tower was heavy with sound. Shiva stood with hands clapped across his ears to guard them from the sound. But Lennox stood with his head tilted back and his eyes up among the ropes and pulleys of the tower. He smiled underneath his helm, his eyes gleaming. He had not been free until this moment, not truly. All concerns that the tower may have fallen to disrepair were washed away baptized by the clean song of the bell.
The last chime echoed out as the swinging arc diminished, and the bell finally came to rest. Shiva dropped his hands. He was looking at the bell but shifted his eyes towards Lennox and waited. The Golden Knight remained where he stood, looking up into nothing. Shiva opened his mouth to speak, but nothing came. He closed his mouth and moved towards one of the windows and looked out. The tower was high, higher than he thought. He could see the headless remains of the gargoyle below, its lifeless body still as sin. Right then, Shiva said. You've done it. You've rang the bell. What happens next? Lennox turned to face him, his eyes still gazing upwards. Well, we make a fire. Where? Here? No, beside the cathedral, up close to the water. Lennox answered. He was making his way towards the stairs and Shiva followed after. Why a fire? Shiva asked as they descended. I've rang the bell of calling. Now we must light the signal. The shore along the ruins runs a great distance. A fire is required. The legend speaks of ringing the bell. I've heard nothing of lighting a signal. Well, it seems like what you've heard is incomplete then. I promise a fire is necessary. Very necessary and a large one at that, a very large one. I would set the cathedral ablaze if it were not made of stone. As it is, the wooden pews of the main hall should suffice. They were still there when you arrived, were they? They were. Good. They descended, passing by the cold remains of the gargoyle. Lennox took one final look. He cared little for the beast his one-time captor. Cold eyes looked away. He was glad to see the guard dog dead. They moved back across the cathedral's roof. The stench of blood filled the air like rot. Lennox was happy to be leaving. When the crescent window he had peered up at for so long caught his eye, surely it would not matter if he delayed their departure for just a moment longer. Just enough for him to peek down at his cell. He was curious what it would look like from above. What now? Shiva asked as Lennox moved towards the window. Lennox held up his hand. Just a moment, please, he replied. The crescent window only came up to his knees now that he stood beside it. He knelt down and placed his hand on the stone and peered inside. He saw his cell dimly lit by torchlight, empty. It looked bigger from the outside. It had not felt big at all, not while on the other side of the iron gate. Silence filled the cell and hallway below, and then brooding shadows appeared, moving quickly across the bars, followed swiftly by their masters. Lennox's heart wavered. The caretakers glanced inside the empty cell and turned away in a flurry, their milk-white faces hidden in shadows their eyes searching. Lennox backed away just as they gazed up at the crescent moon. Had they seen him? Lennox couldn't be sure. He dared not move. The roof was old and creaked with every step. Shiva stood watching him, somewhat curious by his actions. Lennox was happy for the man's silence. When realization struck, 
He glanced up at the bell and then turned back to Shiva. Guard the hatch. More sentries have come, he yelled as he ran back towards the gargoyle. Shiva released the gargoyle's head and moved to the side of the hatch and crouched low, ready to strike at any head that might pop up from below. He glanced up and saw Lennox retrieving the war axe that lay next to the beast. He wanted to call out to the Golden Knight but resisted, lest he betray his position. Lennox was running back across the roof with the axe in hand but slowed as he drew closer. His eyes narrowed, and his chest rose and fell in labored gasps, winded from the sprint. He thought they would have appeared by now. He met Shiva's eyes but said nothing. He broke into a crouch and once again moved towards the crescent window. Hesitantly, he peeked down. Both the cell and hallway lay calm and empty. He shuffled across the roof and hopped onto the stone ledge opposite Shiva. How many? Two, Lennox answered. Two is not very many. Shiva's tense figure grew calm as he shifted backwards. You frightened me a little. Something in the way you moved. These men are all hollows. Easy enough to fell as long as you're careful. He whispered the words. No, these are no mere guards. They are the caretakers, sorcerers, strong ones. A look of disgust touched Shiva's face. Pyromancy? Lennox shook his head. Curses. I'd prefer firecasters over true sorcery. Shiva growled. I think they've retreated back into the cathedral, Lennox said. He lifted his axe and after a moment gathered up the courage and slowly stepped forward. He looked down the wooden staircase into the storage room and let out a long, silent breath. It's empty, he said, and began his descent. Once down, he placed his axe on the stone floor and leaned it against one of the barrels. He moved along looking inside each of the wooden casks for a weapon more his liking. Shiva followed closely, carding the gargoyle's head on his back as he kept his eyes on the stairwell. His right hand rested softly on the pommel of his blade. Lennox continued his search, pulling out a large, double-handed greatsword. He swung it once through the air, testing its balance, and then he recalled the black knight lying dead beside his cell. He placed the sword back inside the barrel he retrieved it from, and shuffled along the wall until his eyes saw what he was looking for. The ball and chain flail hung on an iron spike hammered deep into the wall. It was one among many, but Lennox could see the runes etched into the wooden shaft. A common spell, but reliable. Put there to ensure the weapon's strength. The metal ball on its iron chain would rust long before the wooden handle ever did. He swung the ball in a rough arc above his head, and then let it fall to the side. It moved well. He was pleased. Lennox hung the flail on his belt and moved towards the table in the corner. A pile of daggers and small blades rested atop the stand. It was the only stack that didn't look as though it would fall over at the slightest touch. There are some good blades here, if you are in need of a dagger, Lennox said, half looking over his shoulder towards Shiva. The quiet servant remained where he stood. After a little more looking, Lennox settled on a pair of matching daggers, well-balanced and thin. He tossed one in the air and watched it spin and tumble before catching it cleanly and returning it to its sheath. 
A rack of bows caught his eyes for a moment, but he quickly turned away. He had never been great with a bow, and he failed to see any crossbows. He would stick with the daggers. If you are about finished, Knight Lennox, how about we depart from this cursed cathedral? I feel its charms are few indeed, with you free and the beast slain. As you wish, Shiva. I have no more desire to stay here any longer than I must. I've been here quite long enough already. But I find leaving might not be as easy as you think. And, well, only jesters and fools run off before they're armed. Shiva drummed the pommel of his sword with his fingers. Weighing, considering, he turned towards the stairs, moving as softly as a shadow cat, his dark cloak waving behind him like a twin specter. Even with his bow wrapped around him and the gargoyle's head slumped over his shoulder, the man moved like a predator, with eyes ever watchful. He favored his leg a little less, Lennox noticed curiously. They stepped down the stairwell into a familiar hallway. It was strange, not being locked inside. Lennox felt as though he were dreaming. He hadn't dreamed in so long. Not truly, but he remembered. They walked along cautiously, Shiva in front. This won't do, Shiva said. Guard the hallway for a moment. Lennox nodded and watched as the warden set down the gargoyle's head. He walked past Shiva and moved towards where the Black Knight lay slain. The dead knight's black kite shield rested beside him. Lennox picked it up and gripped the leather handle tightly in his fist. It was light. Lighter than it should have been. The black shield smelled like ash, and the arch tree design ran all along the back of the shield as well as the front. He looked at the runes etched along the inside and smiled. At least he would be safe against fire. It wouldn't help much against the caretakers, but there were other beasts who wielded flame, and they would be out soon enough. Shiva had tied the sack around him like a sash, so that the gargoyle's head now hung on his back, leaving his arms free. He had his bow in one hand and an arrow knocked in the other, ready to draw. His eyes met Lennox's. He moved forward with a slight nod, once again taking his place in the front. Lennox was happy for it. He had seen the man move. He had seen him slay the gargoyle. Well, he had heard him. Shiva could no doubt handle the caretakers by himself, but Lennox was happy to help. He smiled at the thought of swinging his flail into the pale milk faces of the men. It was less than they deserved. They moved down the hallway and turned the corner. Lennox's cell at last behind him. Spiraling torches lined the walls, illuminating a narrow hallway with small living quarters packed close opposite the torches, their wooden doors rotting or already falling from their posts. Each room sported a wooden bed similar to the one in Lennox's cell, each bed just as foul and decrepit as his own. More than a few of the rooms held corpses, truly dead men. They had not moved in a long time. The room smelled of earth and dust. Shiva moved cautiously down the gloomy hallway, glancing warily inside each of the doorways. He would not be caught by surprise. They passed the final room and moved down a spiraling staircase, across a second hallway packed with even more rooms than the first. 
There the hallway turned, and the pathway sloped downward in a long half-arc, and ended in a medium-sized room that rested behind the main amphitheater. The once-decorated room now stood in ruin. Large, torn tapestries hung black and charred, half burned down from a fire long ago. The ground was covered in dirty puddles and scattered pages of decaying books. Lennox remembered what it had once looked like, long ago. It made him sad to see such a beautiful room reduced to such a state. Though, nothing lasts forever, he thought. The whole cathedral had been beautiful once. A shining beacon that stood above a now flooded city. The light was dim in the room. Only a single torch burned. But Lennox's eyes were accustomed to the blackness of the cathedral. He hopped over one of the larger puddles and stepped up to the door. His hand found the heavy ring set in the middle and wavered. Hesitantly, he pulled at it. For a moment, the door resisted. Then it released and slowly began to swing inward with a groan so loud, Lennox was certain its echo could be heard all throughout the cathedral. He opened the door just enough for Shiva to peek through and see out into the auditorium. Hmm... It's no good. The angle is wrong. I can't see anything. Lennox pulled at the door once more. This time it swung easily. Unlike the dim room in which they stood, the main auditorium was a mass of burning light. Familiar spiral torches lined the pillars and walls, and three chandeliers ran across the roof, each one twinkling in the light of a thousand candles. The chandeliers were decorated with all kinds of rubies and sapphires, each gem glowing exquisitely in the light, as though the stones themselves were set ablaze. Well, I won't lie. I'm worried a trap lies ahead, but, well, Lennox felt the oath keep a ring on his finger. We have our obligations. Shiva nodded and stepped forward. They moved down the center walkway gazing down the aisles one by one, their eyes dancing across the auditorium. The trap was sprung just as they reached the center. The large chandelier fell without noise, not a single sound. Five hundred pounds of iron and fire crashing down in utter silence. If Lennox had not already been looking up, it would have crushed them in the beat of a heart. But Lennox had been looking up. He rushed toward Shiva, tackling him to the ground as the chandelier fell behind them. All sound was lost, stolen by sorcery, and then the caretakers were upon them. Lennox was just rising to his feet when a white orb flew past his head, glowing hot white like lightning. Lennox ducked down as the second orb flew past him and smashed into the broken chandelier, tossing up shattered iron and burning candles into the air. He took cover behind one of the pews and ducked low. Shiva was across from him, one aisle over with his head bent down. He was trying to get a better look, lifting his gaze to no avail. Each attempt only brought forth a new orb. He looked towards Lennox, signaling for him to run. Lennox understood, grimacing beneath his helm. Curses, he thought. Curse this whole damned cathedral. It should have been built a prison. Very well. He pushed himself up to one knee and nodded. A moment later, he was sprinting across the amphitheater, moving towards the stone pillars. White orbs flew at him two at a time, flashing like lightning and crashing into the pews behind him. 
The wooden benches cracked and splintered in the cold silence, casting up wooden shards high into the air. He reached the pillar and looked back toward Shiva. The hunter was kneeling with his bow drawn back. He seemed to be waiting for something. Another white orb struck the pillar close to Lennox's head, and the golden knight quickly looked away. When he turned back, Shiva had let fly his arrow, and the white orb stopped. Suddenly, the noises of the cathedral returned. Are you well? Lennox called out. Shiva didn't answer. He had already knocked his bow with another arrow and was pulling back on the string. He was aiming the bow just above Lennox's head when he let the arrow fly. Lennox's feet slipped out from beneath him as he ducked down, out of the path of the arrow. He landed on his back, and like that, his shield was thrown clear. When he turned his head to look for it, he saw the second caretaker on the ground beside him, an arrow sticking out of one of his arms. The man showed no sign of pain and eyed Lennox with a cool gaze. The caretaker's hand went for a dagger at his side, but Lennox was already swinging his flail in a high arc. The spiked ball found its mark, and blood gushed from beneath its dark iron. The caretaker's foot jerked, and then his hand, but nothing else. He lay motionless from then on. Lennox let his head fall back. He was lying in a small pool of water with blood slowly seeping in, turning the liquid a smoky red. Lennox didn't move. He didn't care. His chest rose and fell as he looked up at the ceiling towards one of the chandeliers. He could hear Shiva's footsteps as he walked through the scattered puddles. Lennox couldn't see him, but he knew Shiva was searching the fallen caretakers. Claiming his loot, Lennox thought, or treasure, whatever he wished to call it. It was all the same to Lennox. He pushed himself up so that he was leaning back on his hands and listened as Shiva made his way across the cathedral. You move well, very quick. I've never seen someone move so spryly in armor before. The tone of the words seemed to pose a question. Lennox grinned inside his helm. Thank you. Sincerely. That's high praise coming from someone who moves like a shadow cat. Shiva laughed, though Lennox couldn't guess why. He took the handle of his flail and pulled the spiked ball free. The caretaker's face was caved in like a crater, and blood had pooled at the bottom, covering some of the grotesque and beaten flesh. Lennox looked away. He stood up and searched the surrounding for his shield. He found it two aisles over, and wondered how it had been thrown so far. To cross swords is a queer and dangerous dance, Lennox thought. Anything may occur. He was safe in his armor, but it was incomplete. He would be vulnerable until he retrieved the rest of his belongings. He shook away the thought. Shall we carry on? Shiva asked. Lennox looked towards the warden. He was wet from the puddle and tasted fresh blood in his mouth. He wanted to take off his helm and breathe in fresh air. But no, he was still so weak. He was confident he could cast a decent glamour but Shiva had penetrating eyes that saw much. Would he see through it? Would he care? As it was, Lennox didn't even raise his visor. He nodded and moved across the auditorium towards Shiva, and together they continued towards the main entrance. Lennox observed that Shiva was no longer favoring his right leg. What a specimen, Lennox thought, as he took in the bear-sized man.
he thumbed at his Oathkeeper ring, rolling it on his finger beneath his glove. Shiva had one as well. It was identical to his own. The warden wore other rings on his left hand. Four in total, Lennox counted. The Oathkeeper ring, and three others. Only the gods knew what enchantments were upon them. But no, even they didn't know. Lennox was certain of that. At last they stood before the heavy stone doors of the undead cathedral's entrance. Lennox hardly knew what to think. He glanced back towards the caretakers, his eyes landing on the one he had killed, and then moving to the other, watching them, making certain they were truly dead. He would have to check thoroughly. After he had set the fire, they would not rise quickly. The one he had killed would not rise at all. Not with the wound he had inflicted, but the other, he was not so certain. Shiva placed his hand upon the stone and pushed. The door opened quietly. Shiva stepped out, but Lennox paused at the foot of the door and looked out into the darkness beyond. He could see a trail of torches that hung upon the side of the cave's wall and traveled up in the distance before turning black completely. The first steps home are often the hardest, he thought, and stepped outside away from the cathedral, and into the surrounding darkness. Chapter 3 Lennox stood at the shore of the Black Lake, gazing out across the void. The spiraling torches of the cathedral burned behind him, accompanied by a towering bonfire, ten feet tall, fueled by the wooden pews of the undead cathedral. The fire burned hot and the flames were heavy, yet the light barely touched the water's edge, its radiant glow absorbed by the surrounding darkness. A silvery mist streamed forth from the black lake. The haze came up to Lennox's knees and clung to his armor in large liquid clumps that gathered and spilled down to the earth and gathered again. He stood there for some time, not speaking, looking out across the water the smallest of waves lapping up against the sloping stone floor. Not far from the edge, peeking out from the black water, stood the tops of three high towers. Lennox tried to remember what the buildings had once been. He couldn't recall. A small sadness fell upon him as he thought about the drowned city. This is a queer land, Shiva said. He sat on the steps outside the cathedral, bow in hand, as he looked out past Lennox towards the towers. Even the wildest stories say nothing about towers in the Black Lake. Or the gargoyles. Oh? You seem to have known of the gargoyle, if I recall. I had Mistress Soon to guide me. How fortunate for you to have such a perceptive oracle for your mistress. The words came out sharper than Lennox had intended. Who knows how long he would have had to wait before another knight may have come and released him. Ten years? Fifty? A hundred? He couldn't even begin to guess. Azazel knew how long he had been imprisoned. Azazel, and perhaps a few loyal subjects. He remembered the day of his imprisonment. It burned hot in his memories. Parts of it had faded, small details, but mostly he remembered. The floodgates had been closed and he stood atop the cathedral, 
looking down into the city of a thousand fires, watching the water rise. One by one, the rising water quenched the burning fire pits of the great city. Flames that had burned endlessly for hundreds of years sputtered into nothing at the touch of the cold water, casting up small puffs of steam before disappearing forever. Still the water rose, reaching next the great torchlights that hung along the city's tall stone buildings. In the streets, men fought and died in battle, or fled. The women ran with their children in their arms and babies at their breast. The men moved beside them, carrying what little they could from their homes, food mostly, but for others it was gold and silver and jewels. They moved along the pathway that ran below the cathedral and along the mountainside. A few of the city's fire pits and torches still burned, and their light filled the cavern city. But as the water rose, the light faded, and chaos grew. Lennox's eyes followed the beast as it descended. Translucent wings untrained and spread wide, charging through the air like a bull. A blue knight rode atop the creature, his dark cloak blowing in the wind. The gargoyle hissed, and the blue knight leapt clear, landing on the roof of the cathedral like a blow from a hammer. A moment later, the beast stood beside him. I looked for you at the Tower of the Gods. Lennox said to him, I was not there, the blue knight answered as he rose, or father and lord Shem would yet live, and you would burn in Sheol. I went to the red shrine looking for a sister, and found the remains of lord Bartaral and lord Armoros, but you were nowhere to be seen. Sir Galian had fled. I followed after, but he was gone. Woe to him had I found him. He unsheathed his bastard sword from his back and held it with both hands. The blade was pale white and shined like glass. Look no further, Lennox said, pointing down to the flooded city. He is there, dead and gone, slain by Rakon stone, just before the floodgates were closed and the water ascended. Sir Rakon was a brave man good and true. He will be remembered with songs, his deeds recorded. The blue knight moved towards Lennox. I've come for the Lord's tomes. Buried below the city, beneath the water, along with Sir Gillian and my effects. The blue knight continued forward. A sad smile touched his lips. A traitor, I would have him die a thousand times. No, Lennox said with grief in his voice. This sage was already dying, crumbling and wasting away, so that something new may be born. The blue knight would hear no more. He dashed forward as the gargoyle leapt into the air. Lennox cursed the cheap steel blade he held in his hand and the rotten wooden heater shield he'd found in the cathedral. Without his weapons and rings, he'd have little chance. Curse me, he thought. They came together in a rush of steel and blood, the shadow of the gargoyle hovering above. Finish it. The words rung in his mind, distant words from a fallen queen. Lennox, end it. Lennox.
The name echoed from the dark. The golden knight turned, stern as though woken from a dream. He blinked inside his helm, his eyes ever hidden, gazing through the bare slit of his visor. What is it? He asked. The water stirs. Shiva was on his feet, eyes narrow and cautious. Lennox turned back to the lake. Small dark wrinkles fell and broke on the sloped shore, growing in size as a cool subterranean chill swept in from the lake and pushed back the mist, revealing the wet earth stone below. Scattered puddles bathed in the torchlight of the cathedral, fire flickering in the cool still mirrors of their surface. As the mist that hung over the lake continued to dissipate, scattered ripples could be seen popping up along the surface, great circular rings that began small then swept out wide, and stirred the water into large crashing waves two or three feet tall that beat at the shore where Lennox stood. The golden knight moved back, closer to the cathedral, and kept watch. I knew you had some magic, Shiva started. But what folly have you called down upon us? I would have you speak of your sorcery. There was a tone buried in the voice that hinted of fear. Hmm, you surprise me, Shiva. I thought you could see more. This is no sorcery of mine. I am at a fraction of my strength, and even then, I was always one for enchantments. I'm like you. I dislike arcane magic. Lennox glanced back, his eyes lingering on Shiva's face, searching the man for something true, something hidden deep inside the shadow of his hood. Slowly, the great stirring began to subside, and peace returned to the surface of the lake. A stillness hovered above the water, and a great calm filled the mountain city. Shiva held his bow low, an arrow knocked and ready to draw. He looked out across the surface with searching eyes, and for a long time neither moved nor made a sound. His heart pounded inside his chest. He knew something was queer, but what? At last it dawned on him. Since when had there been four towers? Shiva moved noiselessly down the steps of the cathedral. The second tower on the right he whispered. I know, Lennox answered. Together they stood and watched as the tower drew forth, wading through the darkness like a pillar of smoke and ash. But as the column drew closer, the cathedral's light peeled back the darkness and transformed the black and gray stones into scales and turned the tower's hollow windows into yellow eyes that burned like golden moons with slits running through them. Shiva took half a step back and went to draw his bow but stopped short. Lennox endured, remaining where he stood, his gaze piercing across the water into the eyes of the everlasting serpent. The beast stopped short of the shore, its head swaying high above the two men as looked down upon them. There was something human about its face, Shiva thought, especially the nose, but the skin around the mouth was red and scarred, as though it had been cut off. The serpent sat motionless in the shallow waters of the shore, but behind it, the creature's tail pushed back and forth along the surface. 
and every so often the serpent's gold liquid eyes would shift to Shiva before returning just as quickly to Lennox. At last the serpent spoke. No one has rung that bell. Not for a very long while. I count two, but truthfully, I thought there would be more. No matter. I will not be dismayed. I am Fade, the last of my kind and friend to man. You have called and I have come, as I was bid. Shall I elucidate your fate, that you may face the trials that await you? The serpent's forked tongue flickered out. Reveal yourselves to me. I would look into the eyes of those who called me and know thy names. Shiva stepped forward, swinging his bow about his shoulder and pushing back his hood. He looked up at the mighty serpent and went down to one knee. Leaning forward, he pressed the knuckles of his right hand against the stone floor while his left hand rested on the end of his sword hilt. But he did not bow his head. He kept his eyes on Fade. Undying one, he began. I am Shiva of Caterone. Captain of the guard and first warden to Oracle Seolasun. It is an honor to speak with one who witnessed the creation of all, the most sacred of days. I am only an old serpent. But if you wish, step forward and we shall speak. Shiva moved. His leather boots splashed gently on the shallow water of the shore. Once he reached Lennox, he stopped and returned to one knee. The serpent's tongue flickered. Oh, you smell of old magic, strong wards. For a moment, Fade seemed puzzled. Did you ring the bell? Shiva shook his head. No, of course not. You are strong, to be sure, with a will of iron. You will break before you bend, but your will is not your own. You have the scent of a servant, and your fortune is not mine to tell. The serpent paused for a moment, and then said, But if you like, I may give you a word. As to whether you will like it, I cannot say. I would hear it, Shiva answered at once. Very well, servant. What drives you? It is not a question for me. It is for you. This life is beautiful, bright and glorious. It bewitches you to the point of obsession. Yet you are a pawn in the game, but a pawn can kill the king just the same. Some serve themselves, Others serve kings and queens, and still others the gods. So I ask you again, what is it that drives you? You will need to know, if you wish to endure. If the words meant anything to Shiva, he didn't show it. His face was a stone mask. He remained quiet for a moment, wondering if perhaps Fade had more to say. He didn't. And at last Shiva spoke. Thank you, Undying One, 
he said. I shall think upon your words, for they are sure to be wise counsel. The serpent's tongue flickered out, and a hint of pleasure shimmered in his cold yellow eyes. He nodded his head slightly, and turned his eyes upon Lennox. Thy name. The golden knight stood with his arms folded, looking at Shiva who remained kneeling. He stood casually, as though he were watching a play, and the great show amused him. After a moment, he unfolded his arms and turned to face the serpent. Has it been so long, he said, as he reached up to remove his helm. Have I grown so weak that I am a stranger to those who would know me? Shiva's eyes widened as the golden knight lowered his helm. The taint of the undead had made its mark. The decayed flesh that wrapped around his skull was a pale blue, as though he had been drowned. What little hair remained clung thin and clumpy to the patchy flesh, and large chunks of bone poked through where skin had rotted away. Transient being, I see only a cursed man, and one without much time remaining. The serpent spoke in a rich, deep voice that held the knowledge of ten thousand years. He dipped his head low and kept his eyes on Sir Lennox. You are brave, I see it clearly. But are you wise? I cannot say. You fascinate me, to be sure. There is something familiar about you. A glint in your eyes. An index of sins. You lost everything and seek to take back the taint. You heard whispers that I might break the curse. Well, that's not true at all. So then how am I to guide you? Lennox looked down for a moment, shaking his head. I thought for sure you would know me, but I thought wrong. Tis a terrible pity, really. Just how far have I fallen? Lennox lifted his head. I am not cursed. At least... Not how you believe. I did not breathe in the taint. Lennox's eyes flickered to Shiva. My vessel has decayed, but what is done can be undone, and you will help me as you promised you would. The serpent's eyes regarded the golden knight carefully, considering the words that had been said. After a long moment, the serpent spoke. I do not know your face, sir knight. Perhaps your name. What good is a name? Lennox thought. He does not recognize me. He thinks I'm some half-crazed hollow. Sir Lennox of Martial, he said at last. The serpent's tongue flickered out. It flickered a second time, and then a third. Then he spoke. Yes, very good. I knew a Lennox of Martial once, long ago. He was a prince. Are you a prince? I've suffered this foolishness long enough, Lennox thought. He turned his head and saw Shiva staring back at him with cold and curious eyes. Well, it hardly matters who I say I am. You are bid to aid those who ring the bell. I have rung it and I am in need of your assistance. 
Fade bowed low. What would you have me do? I seek the Lord's tomes. Below the lake in an unmarked grave, sealed by magic they wait, as well as my effects. Only you can break the seal, and only when bid by one who rang the bell. I know you swore yourself to Sir Gillian. I have come to see you true to your word. The serpent's tongue flickered. Behind the beast, a grey stirring within the water began once more, as quickly the serpent's tail emerged and crept along the black water. The end of the tail was long and thin, coiled in on itself in many layers, but ever so slowly. The coil began to unwind as it reached the shore. Take this. It is a gift freely given, said Fade. Lennox looked down at the tail and saw embedded into one of the scales a ring of pure silver. He picked up the ring and held it in his palm. The band was a perfect replica of Fade, shaped like a serpent. The silver snake wrapped around itself in a circle with its tail curving away, and placed upon the head were two yellow sapphires for eyes. He could feel the magic woven into the silver, as he could with all rings of power. But what power do you hold? He thought. He could place the ring on his finger and find out, but that was not always the wisest choice. A sweet gift indeed. What is its purpose? He asked. It is a ring of great illusion, forged for a wizard long ago. It will hide your curse from the eyes of men. But, like all enchantments, it can be broken by a strong spell, and it will only bewitch the eyes. Your flesh will still be as ice to any who touch you. Lennox had already taken off his glove as he reached out to take the gift. He slid the ring onto his middle finger, and the effect was instantaneous. The skin along his hand looked warm with blood as color returned to his flesh. A decent spell, he thought, but incomplete. A true enchantment would have brought warmth back to his skin as well, though that would be a powerful ring indeed. He turned and saw Shiva staring at him from the corner of his eyes. The big man was standing now, and even had a small amount of surprise breaking through his icy features. Lennox chuckled. Well, I suppose I have seen better days. It is a gift greatly accepted. When he turned back to face Fade, the serpent's eyes gleamed in recognition, and the ancient snake bowed his head low, almost to the water's surface before raising it again. My prince, he began, his tone rich and unsettling. You look as though you have been born anew. Please, forgive my ignorance. Truly, I thought you dead long ago. I needed to see who you really were, not the hollow that you appeared to be. Though the words were pleasing, the serpent's eyes remained lifeless and cold. Fade the unfaithful, that was your name once, Lennox remembered. Blood and ash, how do you know when a serpent lies? He grunted and smiled up at the creature. Fade was still bound to his word. The serpent would serve when commanded. The tomes and my belongings, he repeated. Fade's tongue flickered out. It seems. He paused, his voice uncertain. Young prince, fate is cruel. 
you seek the Lord's tomes and ask me to play my part. And I will, truly. But much time has passed and your journey has only just begun. A hydra lives among the tombs, an abomination shaped for my kind by the dark moon alchemist. Another failed experiment. Whether the beast escaped or was sent is unclear, but the fact remains. While he guards the crypts, I cannot approach, lest he should destroy me. And with me gone, all hope of recovering the tomes vanishes. What are you telling me then? Lennox asked. That you are craven? That you would forswear your vow? Fade's reaction was minimal, which didn't much surprise Lennox. The serpent looked vaguely puzzled at first, then slightly amused. He gave a faint, thin smile and quietly rose high up into the air. I swore to undo the spell placed upon the grave, not battle a hydra. Young prince, I am a key, not a sword. The serpent's tongue flickered. Has your hope shattered? Have you amalgamated yourself with the crestfallen of this world? You were mighty once. Can you be mighty again? You are asking me to slay a monster, Lennox replied. I seek nothing from you. I offer you instruction and make known the way. Fate has forged your path. It is your yoke to bear. Again the water stirred as Fade's long, coiling tail withdrew from the shore and melted into the black water of the lake. The mighty serpent stared down at Lennox, tall and strong as a stone tower. Slowly he began to slip back into shadow. Raise the floodgates. Drain the city. Kill the beast. Then I will fulfill my vow. The low mist returned slowly, its silver gleam seeping back along the water's edge as Fade drifted further and further away, his long neck dipping down into the darkness until the creature looked only like one shadow among thousands. His last words were heard echoing across the stillness of the lake. Fleeting prince, may we meet again. Then the serpent was gone. Shiva remained on the shore looking out across the void, but Lennox turned and left without a word, his face empty. All light was gone from his eyes. Shiva found Lennox inside the undead cathedral, sitting in one of the few pews that remained. His helmet was off, and Shiva could see the long hair falling dark across his golden armor. The big man stood at the doorway and took in the ruined hall. Shattered crystals and bent steel littered the floor where the chandeliers had fallen. Otherwise, the hall was empty. The bodies of the two caretakers had been thrown in with the pews to help fuel the fire. They had burned hot and bright, but went to ash quickly, and now nothing remained of the fire outside but the red embers of the extinguished flame. Shiva took another step forward his feet resting in the shallow water of a large puddle. He could feel the water beginning to seep through the soft leather stitches. Sir Lennox, he called out. He let the words echo and die before he continued. You have just now been freed. It is too early to descend into misery. What drives you? Lennox remembered Fade's words to Shiva. 
He wanted to know as well. He sat with his eyes closed as he rolled the Oath Keeper ring around his finger. Shiva had one as well. He had seen it. He cursed Fade the Unfaithful and wished him burn in Sheol. The Lord's tomes could wait, but without his belongings he was weak and vulnerable. He might even die. Well, not die, but go hollow or close to it, even without the taint. He looked down at his helm and reached out and took it up and examined it. He ran his fingers across the small dents and scratches that littered the right side, and along the runes that were etched beneath the bottom of the visor, so small one could hardly see them at all. A part of him wanted to smile. Despite its age and heavy use, the armor was still strong. The enchantments flowed through the gold. His enchantments, the strongest a man could ever cast. He must never take it off. Never. He placed the helm on his head as he rose and began making his way towards Shiva. The warden watched him pass and followed him outside. Lennox picked up his flail and shield from where he had left them. He hung the ball and chain on his hip and swung the Black Knight's kite shield across his back and turned to Shiva. He nodded. Shiva nodded back. And they left, making their way towards the only path there was to follow. A long and windy road leading up alongside the mountain's wall, lined by a thousand torches. When they had passed by several hundred flames, Lennox peered over his shoulder towards the undead cathedral. He was high above the church now, and it looked small next to the black lake and surrounding darkness. Its large torches burned bright, illuminating the stone structure, but nothing else. It was as though the cathedral hung inertly in a pitch of black. Lennox turned away. You mentioned some companions. Shiva didn't respond right away, and after a long silence, Lennox thought maybe he had not been heard. He was about to speak again when Shiva answered, I did. Again, there was a moment of silence as Shiva thought about what he might or might not say. In the end, he must have decided there was no need to keep anything back. The girl waits for us outside the mouth of the mountain with the mounts. The beast refused to enter, even when led by foot. Though, her wolves did not seem afraid. Wolves? Lennox wanted to know more but kept silent. He would see her soon enough. And the other? I believe you mentioned he resides near Solaire. Just so. Another prince like you. Shiva laughed. The king of Solaire has a mighty appetite. Prince Oscar is his ninth child and fifth in line of succession. Mistress soon says he will soon pass the mage trials and be granted his wizard's robes despite his young age. You make him sound as if he were a child. Shiva turned to face Lennox. Hmm. He is five and ten. Almost a man grown. This time it was Lennox who laughed. They were all children to him. The young wizard prince. The girl waiting outside, the oracle and her warden. Only children, Lennox thought. What if this boy decides he doesn't want to join us? Shiva turned back and continued along the trail. 
his right side lit up by fire, his left hidden in shadow. He will not have a choice. Oh, really? Shiva shrugged. Did you? Mistress Soon has seen it. Ah, uh, Mistress Soon has seen it, Lennox echoed. After that, they did not speak. They moved along the pathway, and Lennox's golden armor clamored and clinked while the warden's cloak draped him in a stillness and a silence that could only be brought on by magic. It was the silence that caught Lennox's notice. Even when he watched the big man's footsteps, he heard nothing. Not even the silent scuff of soft leather on smooth stone. The man is enveloped in magic and enchantments. I must not take my eyes off him. Even for a moment. Lennox thought. Not even a second. Chapter 4 the sun was beginning to get low as the evening light fell across the floor, lighting the mouth of the mountain passage. The entrance had been divine once, large ivory pillars so shiny one might have thought they were cut from pearls, and so wide that six wagons pulled by elephants could have passed by one another and not have come close to touching. A honeycomb of passageways had run along the ceiling of the tunnel, filled with murder holes and arrow slits and cut from the stone in the shape of stars and crescent moons that twinkled by firelight at night. The sleepless stars they had been called, both lovely and lethal. All of it was gone now, reduced to rubble. The shortcomings of rock and stone made visible to mankind, to be seen by anyone who knew what it was they saw. Lennox knew. It made him sad. He had played in the honeycomb tunnels as a child, the memory came to him from far away. He didn't even know he remembered it till it was there with him. He made his way around fallen boulders and large chunks of stone that stood twice as tall as he did, littering the pathway. Most of the stones lay shattered, but a few still had some of their original shape. He climbed up the arc of a crescent moon for a better view, and saw a stone cut like a twinkling star with a large crack straight down the center, up ahead by about thirty paces. Shiva was there, walking through the fallen star towards the light of the sun. I've fallen behind, Lennox thought, before leaping down. When he reached the cracked star, the warden was gone. But the mouth of the cave was in sight, and the golden night continued forward. He could feel a cool draft blowing across the stones and cursed softly. Just once he'd like to feel warm. It had been so long, but they were high in the mountains he knew. True warmth wouldn't come yet, but soon. He would endure. He would always endure. Not like this twisted ruin. The mouth of the cave had been glorious. Now it was merely a small passageway, cut into the side of a stony mountain. Hardly enough for a horse to pass through, let alone a wagon. It's no surprise Shiva couldn't get the horses to walk through this, thought Lennox, as he shuffled through the pathway. He wasn't so sure he could get through without scuffing his armor, but he did. The icy wind came in gusts, howling along the mountainside and whipping Shiva's cloak back like a banner, its grayish-black cloth a dark blur against the white drifting snow. 
In the distance the clouds were storm-black, but above they were thin with wisps of white against blue. Lennox searched the sky for the sun. It had been so long since he had seen it, since he had felt its warmth. He began to laugh when he saw it dip below the mountains far away, its final rays burning the sky red and orange, the colors of fire, but he did not feel its heat. He leaned back against the stone mountain and watched the colors swirl and burn above him. He smiled inside his helm. I am free, he thought. Now I can get back to work. He wasn't sure how long he stood there, but the colors were gone from the sky and night ruled the air when he spotted Shiva walking towards him, a black ghost surrounded by white. He was wrapped tight in his cloak to guard himself against the harsh bite of the wind. With a quiet command to follow, Shiva led off along the mountain. Lennox looked out warily at the trees as they passed, looming now in the night with their tall peaks and thick needles. Shadows seemed to take shape and move and then fade away, before finally taking shape once more. A cycle of illusions made worse by the howling wind. Occasionally, dark wings could be seen flapping between the branches. This forest has tasted the taint. Lennox thought, as he watched thin tendrils of silver-gray fog drift low across the base of the trees following them. How much further to this girl companion of ours? Lennox murmured. Not far, Shiva answered. Astrid told me there is a small grotto just south of the mountain's entrance. It's warm and dry, and she said the wind doesn't reach it. She'll be waiting for us there. Shiva pointed back along the ridge. We've passed two small peaks. Just one more now. Uncertain, Lennox's eyes watched the forest edge. The fingers of the gray mist had splintered and grown fat as the mist oozed out along the tree line not more than a knee high off the ground. A faint and silvery light accompanied the fog and grew brighter as the mist collected. Yet the fog clung closely to the tree line exceeding only a foot or two out into the clearing between the trees and the mountainside. He broke off from the mountain trail and walked slowly towards the fog. The misty tendrils were as thick as arms now, and swayed back and forth aimlessly. He stopped well short of the tree line, and studied them as they hovered softly in the air. What are they? Shiva asked from behind. Something very dark, Lennox replied. It is the taint the curse of the undead taken shape. Unseen, unthinking, it leeches through water and burrows through the earth, seeking hosts to attach itself to. If you breathe it in, you will be corrupted, and the curse will be upon you. Can we burn it away? Lennox's laugh was bitter and short. The taint is vast, Warden. The entire lake is corrupt and I'm sure the surrounding lands as well. Still, it can only spread so far from its source. Once we're clear of the mountain, we'll be safe enough. In the meantime, if you happen to fall or trip, it'd be best if you held your breath. Huh. Don't worry now, Shiva answered. He was smiling as he spoke. I can't remember when last I faltered. Oh, well, perhaps I was mistaken in my concerns.
Showing concern for a friend is never a mistake. Is that what we are? Lennox wondered. He nodded to the big man and made his way back to the trail. Shiva was staring at the fog, his eyes unfeeling and cold. When Lennox reached the path, he turned, and together they continued their march through the wind. The third peak was not far now, but the wind blew harsher with each step. It caught Shiva's cloak and ripped it from his grasp, throwing the dark wall to his side in a tangled rage. He murmured something in an angry tone and wished his coat were thicker that it might not catch the wind so easily. Trying to keep his cloak around him was near impossible. He had just gotten a handful of the cloth when a strong gust grabbed at his cloak once more, ripping it from his shoulders. It would have blown away completely had the warden not had quick hands. Lennox watched through the small slit in his helm with amusement in his eyes and a smile tugging on the corners of his mouth. He passed the warden, leaving the big man alone in his struggles as he marched the last few paces alone towards the peak. The cold was everywhere. It hung onto the mountain and blew in from across the forest, cutting through his armor like a heavy blade. But the girl had spoken true. Not far from the small peak was the grotto, hidden behind the next pass. The side of the mountain burned red like a kiln, beckoning for him to come. Ah, hello there, Lennox thought. He turned and called out to Shiva. We've made it! He had to yell to be heard over the howling wind. I can see the fires glow. Not long now. Somehow, Shiva had managed to reattach his cloak despite the wind and was trudging along the trail towards Lennox. The snowfall was heavy. Large, white flakes as big as silver coins swirled about them and would soon hinder their vision if the weather continued to worsen. Now it was Lennox who led them. With the grotto in sight, there was only one way to go. Shiva followed behind, ever grasping at his cloak. From time to time, Lennox would throw a watchful look back as they walked. But the weather had turned bad quickly, and soon they found themselves in the heart of a storm. It would not do to get separated so close to refuge. Lennox would not have it. As weak as he was, he needed the warden. The world was dangerous, and had changed much, Lennox knew. It would not do to face it alone. He glanced back once more and called out to Shiva. Silence answered. Silence and snow. His heart raced and he took a step into the blinding white of the storm and called out to the warden once more. I'm here, a voice answered. It sounded far away, but a moment later Shiva appeared, huddled in his cloak. He shook off the snow and lifted his eyes upward. How far? I couldn't say, Lennox answered, shaking his head. I can't see the fire anymore. If we fall, the mountain will come across it soon enough. We'd have to be blind to miss it. We are blind, was all the Golden Knight replied. Then he turned and continued on, with Shiva safely behind. They heard the deep howls of wolves behind them before they had gone half a league. And later... More howls from the forest to their right. Shiva grunted, but said nothing, leaving Lennox alone in his fears. At least we have the mountain on one side, he thought. It would be hard to fight if they got surrounded on all sides by a pack. 
The small comfort left him when his mind wandered to the shadow cats. He realized the beasts could be stalking them from above and he would never know it. He pushed the thought aside. Again the wolves took up the call. Blood and ash, Lennox said, and picked up his pace. Doubt of ever reaching the grotto was rising quickly in his mind. When at last he saw the orange glow of the stone walls and cried out, We're here. Yes, we're here. He turned just as Shiva moved up beside him. The big man said nothing and together they took the final steps out of the storm and into the burning warmth of the grotto. They found the cavern empty. No, not empty, Lennox observed. Only the girl and her wolves were missing. Otherwise, everything was how it should be. Better, truthfully. He took off his helm as Shiva grabbed a few logs of wood from a small pile by the horses and fed them to the flame. He took a few more and tossed them in as well before removing his cloak and taking a seat. This cave looks well kept, Lennox said in a surprised tone. The fire pit wasn't much, but there was a decent supply of wood and a small fence built from crudely cut beams in the back that served as a stable for the horses. He set his helm down and drew a breath letting the warm air fill his lungs. Now that they were inside, the cold left him quickly. He wouldn't have died, not from the cold alone. What made his heart race was the taint and the monsters it bred. They would not be as strong as the gargoyle or the hydra in the lake, but they would be dark creatures still. Mountain clans hold these lands, Shiva started. He had pushed back his hood and his black hair hung wild across his shoulders. Methodically, he began to strip off his small male vest, leathers, and sweat-soaked woolens, all of which were either black or dark gray, even the small vest of mail, which burned a dull black in the flames. He sat staring out the cave into the storm. They're always warring with each other, but they're smart enough not to destroy a cave like this. In winter, this shelter and the rocks can mean life or death for their raiders, and what belongs to the Moon Brothers today might be claimed by the Flint Crows tomorrow. Hmm, the Moon Brothers and the Flint Crows, you say? How many other clans live in these parts? Dozens, Shiva told him. He had moved a few more logs closer to the fire, and was draping his cloak over them so that the fire might catch their heat though not so many as there once were. They have been driven out. Mistress soon says there are queer things growing in these mountains. Dark things. The taint, Lennox said. Darkness breeds darkness. Shiva nodded. The cursed. He looked as though he wanted to say more, but it took time before the words left his mouth. The gargoyle at the bell tower and the hydra below the water. These creatures, there are others like them. Men believe they are creatures of the deep, beasts cursed by the taint, like the hollow men. But the serpent mentioned another. My mistress has heard his name whispered in the twilight hours as well. The Dark Moon Alchemist. Lennox stood staring back at Shiva, regarding him curiously. The words held a question in them, and were spoken in a sullen tone. 
but the warden's eyes gleamed. This one is mad, Lennox thought. His eyes flickered to the black cloth that held the gargoyle's head. He seeks dangerous prey and takes their head for his prize. But for what? Proof, he supposed. Lennox felt the oathkeeper ring tighten softly around his finger like a noose. The man is a servant, and now so am I. He paused for a moment. It is a name best left in whispers, the golden-eyed answered quietly. Perhaps he thought Shiva would let it end there. She says he is the father of all the greater beasts, their maker. The great serpent called them failures, but they do not seem like failures to me. These are questions best left alone. Outside, the wind howled and the night grew darker, the air colder. Mistress soon wishes to know more of this alchemist and of his creations. All she needs do is ask and I will tell her what I can. But she is not here, and I will speak of it no more tonight. Shiva shrugged and turned to his pack and began shuffling aside. His casual indifference both confused and vexed Lennox. He'll get his answers sooner or later than I'd understood. He's in no hurry. A moment later, Shiva pulled out two large strips of salted beef and a small loaf of stale bread. He returned to his pack and pulled out a small block of hard cheese to round off the meal. He held out the block of cheese to Lennox, but the knight shook his head no. Do you even eat food? he asked. No, Lennox answered. Shiva nodded and produced a small dagger from his belt and began to cut the cheese into small slices that he placed on the bread and ate together. Afterward, he checked his cloak and was pleased to find it dry. Do you sleep? he asked, turning to face Lennox. Lennox shook his head. Shiva eyed him sharply. Then he laughed. A quick, short laugh of amusement that came bursting out of his mouth. He shook his head as the laugh turned into a smile. Well, we need not draw lots for the watch then. The night is yours, and you have sharp eyes too. I might just sleep well tonight. He had rolled his cloak into a ball and set it under his head as he lay out before the fire, happy for its warmth. Keep watch for the girl. I suspect she'll make her return sooner or later. The girl. He had forgotten about the girl. I thought perhaps she may have left us, Lennox replied. Ha! Huh. We all serve Mistress Soon, Sir Knight. The girl most of all. She'll return, and you need not fear her wolves. She has them well trained. He turned his head to the fire. She's half-wolf herself, that one. A pureblood from the northern clans across the slender sea. Not like those vagabonds that fill these cursed mountains. Does Kay still stand? Lennox asked, eager to hear of the outside world. So the northern folk say, Shiva replied. But the girl says the ice is spreading quickly, and that half the city has been consumed by the cold and left abandoned. In another hundred years, the entire city will be lost. In a thousand more, the land as well. And what of the other jewel cities? The warden's eyes perked up. 
He gazed across the fire with renewed curiosity, as though Lennox had just whispered some great secret. Just how long were you imprisoned? After a lengthy span of silence, Lennox answered. A long time. Shiva smiled. He's a bit more cheerful now that we're out of that cursed mountain, Lennox observed. But then, who wouldn't be? Mistress soon told me about you, Sir Knight. Were you there when the taint fell upon Martial? I suspected it would come, Lennox said gloomily, but I was never there to see it. He was looking at the fire, but his eyes were in the past. Shiva's words drew him back. Doom fell upon the city quickly once the taint appeared. A great judgment sent down by the four. There are many tales of that day, many stories and legends, all grim, and only fragments are known, even to my mistress. But they all start with the taint. Some say it appeared suddenly, others that it crept in slowly, seeping up from out of the sewers like a morning fog. My mistress believes it happened slowly. First it was the beggars and orphan boys who lived in the sewers. Little by little they disappeared, and the streets were cleaner than they had ever been. Others say it was the sewer castellans. They went into the depths of the city and never returned. No one truly knows. The disappearances continued, and a calm fear fell across the city. Even the king was no longer seen atop the white plateau. The young prince sent the grey cloaks down the dark tunnels, and the next day the cursed men appeared in full, swelling up from the sewers like rats. Madness swept through the streets then, and the city fell to chaos. Many fled. Others stayed and fought just to fall and rise again curse. Either way, one day the city was alive and well, and the next it lay soiled and in ruins, where no man dared enter. Shiva fell quiet, and a stillness filled the room. Beside them the fire cracked softly against the stone walls. And what followed after that? asked Lennox. Shiva looked across the flames and held his hands up in mystery. The city collapsed into a great silence. No one came or went for a long time until the Black Iron King called forth the Knights of Bedivere and raised an army in the hopes of purging the silent city. More is known of that catastrophe, but in the end the king failed dying brilliantly in battle. Even now the knights of Bedivere don black iron suits and carry large kite shields with the king's crest engraved across the iron in honor of the fallen king. I slew one of their ranks in the undead cathedral, and even now you carry his shield. The heavy shield stood leaning against the wall just behind Lennox. The iron was a dull black and reflected little of the light that came forth from the fire leaving it dark and bleak against the damp stones of the cave. Even then, the engraving of the arch-tree stood out along the shield, its branches billowing out in a thousand different ways along the top. It is a strong and true shield, Lennox said. I felt safe with it before me. Shiva nodded. Lennox continued. And the other cities? Solaire still stands, as well as Bedivere and Caterone. But cities are like rivers, 
They bend and change shape with time. I have stood before the guild halls of Solaire, old buildings made of strong stone, but I imagine they will not appear as you remember them. And the woods that were once said to surround the Iron City are no more, cut down and used to fuel the iron mills. You'll find Catarone closest to how it once was. It is a city of sand and water. Its people move, but the city endures. As for Hector and Saphir, across the western waters, I cannot say. Their great ships stopped coming the day Martial fell. If Martial has become the silent city, then Andor has become the silent land. The common folk wouldn't even recognize the names of those ancient cities. No one goes west of the Ron Sea, except to rummage through the silent city for treasure, or madmen who seek the ford to end the long silence. Lennox rose to his feet. The horses had begun to whine and he wanted to see them up close. A curse sent down by the four, he said. Too true, Shiva answered with a smile. He lifted his gaze and watched the golden knight as he moved across the cave. There are some oats in the satchel by the wood. If you're bored, you could feed them. Lennox picked up the satchel and took out a handful of oats and offered them to the horses. Shiva dropped his head back down to his rolled up cloak. Keep watch for the girl. She is called Astrid, yes? Lennox asked. That was the name she gave me. Though Mistress soon says she has another. Shiva closed his eyes. Storms pass quickly in these mountains, Sir Knight. The watch is yours. I expect we shall see the sun rising by the morrow. Shortly after, the warden was asleep. His chest rose and fell in silent waves. Even in his sleep, Shiva is as quiet as a phantom shadow, Lennox mused. The man is an enigma. An assassin, perhaps? He would think on it. The serpent's words burned in him like a hot iron. Just a pawn in their game. But a pawn can kill the king just the same. The storm had raged for ten days now, and every so often Lennox would let out a mocking laugh, mumbling something about the storm passing quickly. At first he had been upset at the storm, wishing to set his eyes upon the warm sun after so long a time, only to be greeted by cold winds and white snow. But his anger had subsided quickly. He was a patient man. He had learned patience, been taught it well. He had learned to endure and persist, and it was as much a part of him as his own beating heart. Sometimes the wind would soften and the snow would cease, and an orange glow of the sun could be made out behind the gray and black clouds but it was a false sky, and as quickly as the light came, it would disappear. All of the joy the big man may have shown upon leaving the undead cathedral had been stolen away by the cold. They talked little, and more than once Lennox caught the warden staring him down with his cold, dark eyes, calculating eyes, hunter's eyes. He had known the type. He had seen them on an uncle once, long ago, so very long ago. But the serpent's words. The creature said the warden smelled like a servant. It must be the ring. He played with his own Oathkeeper ring, twisting it around his finger. I'm a servant too now, 
a slave in truth, he thought. Perhaps he should have denied the warden. Someone would have come. Some hedge knight. Some sellsword or treasure hunter. He had seen them come before, though he had failed to secure his release. Too late. He shook his head. He would think of it no more. He would pay the oracle's price and be done with her. Not a night went by without the endless cry of howling wolves, large packs of roaming beasts. The storm meant little to them, it seemed, though they never got too close to the grotto. The wolves' howls brought forth thoughts of Astrid. Her absence had not gone unnoticed, but if it bothered the warden, he kept it to himself. It seemed an inconvenience to him more than anything else, like he was waiting for her to return so that they might finally depart. The big man mostly kept to himself, honing his large scimitar with a wet stone from his pack, or checking the tension of his bow. Sometimes he would pull out the gargoyle's head and look it over, with a small smile that touched the corners of his mouth and gleamed in his eyes. Hmm. I wonder how many prizes this man has taken. Lennox pondered the thought as he watched Shiva. For a moment, he meant to ask, but in the end he held his tongue and left the warden to his treasure. He spent much of his time with the horses, just watching them. He enjoyed the creatures, but they seemed wary of the night. Perhaps it was the way he smelled. He couldn't tell. The horses would stretch their necks past the gate to snatch the oats from his hand, but their trust ended there. They would shy away from his hand if he went to stroke their neck, and their distrust remained as strong for the night on the tenth day as it had the first. He had hoped feeding them would put to rest their fears. It had not. Still, he was happy for the creatures. Of the four white stallions, one stood out among the rest. He may not have liked Lennox, but he did not seem afraid of the night. He would take the oats freely and then leave as carelessly as he had come. Lennox found himself smiling as he watched the big horse. Hmm... Which is it? He said the words aloud. Do you not know fear? Or perhaps it's only the oats. The horse looked away. Lennox smiled. That one's smarter than he seems, Lennox thought. Go on then. Keep pretend you didn't hear me. We both know the truth. The trials will come soon enough. He left the horses and returned to the fire sitting on the ground with his back against the wall as he had been in his cell. It was a good fire, and he often found himself sitting alone beside the flames while the rest of the cave slept, letting the warmth spread throughout his armor and protect him from the cold chills that sometimes leapt through the stones. He enjoyed the silence and closed his eyes as if to sleep, though he did not sleep, did not dream, only recalled a past that he could not change. It was a world of shadows, the past, half remembered in the corners of his mind. Details would turn to smoke if he didn't concentrate, or become black shadows lost completely in the far reaches of his mind. But the most precious memories, the ones that mattered were never far. He had etched them along the inside of his armor, in between runes of magic and other enchantments, where he could reach them when he will. Other memories he had locked away in his rings, or etched them onto the back of his great war shield that lay below the lake with the lord's tomes. 
They were important too, each and every memory a piece of lost knowledge waiting for him to reclaim. But the memories that mattered never left him. They haunted him every time he closed his eyes. Finish it, the queen said as blood pooled around her. Lennox, end it. He looked at her through his narrow visor. The queen, his queen, draped in red from head to toe. The dead were everywhere. Palace guards, struck down by the golden knight, pierced by his lightning spear. The tip of the blade dripped with blood and crackled with blue magic. Finish it, she was screaming. End it! The words were a high shrill. She was holding on to the great Lord Shem, her red eyes a blaze of fire. The soft crack of a burning log stole him away. He lifted his drooping head, and inside his golden armor his chest tightened as he took in a short breath and held it. Two wolves stalked across the cave, their eyes sharp and lips peeled back to show their large white fangs. They were silence wrapped in fur and moved slowly towards the fire. The larger of the two had smoke-gray fur with yellow-gold eyes. The smaller was jet black and looked half a shadow, its eyes a pale green. With as little movement as he could manage, Lennox nudged at the warden with his foot. Shiva, he whispered. Wake up. He kicked at the big man once more this time striking at the back of his head. Lennox saw the warden's head rise slightly. A moment later, he spoke. What happened to your sharp eyes, knight? The words had a sleepy tone in them, and Lennox wasn't sure if the big man was making some small jape. Somehow, he didn't think so. Not with the wolves creeping closer and closer to the fire, their black shadows monsters on the wall behind them. Shiva set his head back down onto his cloak. Right then, she's finally back. Go and see if she needs any help. Astrid, the girl has returned. Lennox eyed the wolves once more. They were watching him, the both of them. He was a stranger to them and his smell was queer. But the warden was there and the fire was warm. They were not frightened of the night. But when they reached the fire to lay down, they had kept their heads up. And it wasn't until Lennox had reached the mouth of the cave that the smaller of the two finally closed its pale green eyes and nuzzled in close against the thick fur of the big gray wolf. Outside, the wind had ceased. It was one of the rare moments in the storm where the sun managed to break up the clouds and send its light streaming down across the woods below. But not far away, Lennox could see the storm raging brutally. An abnormal storm, Lennox thought. He stepped out of the mouth of the cave and saw the girl standing beside a small sled, with a large deer slung across the wood. Its long body hung over the edge on both sides, nearly touching the snow. She was on one knee with a short knife in her hand, cutting at the rope. She looked big wrapped up in leathers and cloak, and was draped in a thick wolfskin pelt. But when she stood, Lennox saw just how tall she was. Not much shorter than myself, he thought as he made his way towards her. She turned and saw the golden knight approaching when their eyes met. The hood of her soft gray cloak shaded her face, but her blue eyes watched him cautiously. She looked calm, clutching her knife firmly. Hmm. Hello, 
Might I take you to be Lady Astrid? Lennox asked. She nodded slightly and looked him up and down. The prisoner. It was not a question. She gestured towards the dead deer. Grab the other side. As Lennox stepped around the sled, a great howl went up from the woods as a hundred wolves bellowed as one. The golden knight stopped and scanned the woods through his helm, but the light was fading as the clouds above curled black. Astrid finished cutting the last rope and went to grab the deer. Prisoner, she said again loudly. Lennox turned. My lady, please, call me Lennox. But Astrid was already reaching down, and Lennox moved quickly to assist her. He would be spending some time in the company of both the warden and this girl. Best not to start off strained if it could be avoided. They carried the deer inside and set it down beside the fire to thaw. Much of the carcass was frozen solid, hard as ice, with an inch of snow resting atop the body. Lennox brushed off the loose snow as Astrid went back for her sled. She left it at the mouth of the cave, and once back beside the flame removed her large pelt placing it on the same pile of logs Shiva had once used. Then she took off her cloak and dark brown leathers and set them by the pelt. She was only in her wool of undergarments now. They looked wet too, but she kept them on. Lennox was grateful for that. Well, she's hardly a girl at all, Lennox thought, and smiled as warm a smile as he could manage. Her hair was a light blonde, so fair it was almost white. It streamed, unconfined, and flowing waves down her back, despite having just been hidden behind a wet cloak. Her wolves stirred briefly before moving sleepily alongside their master as she took a seat beside the flames. They rested one on each side before finally closing their eyes and falling back to sleep. The woman sat stroking the gray wolf's head as it laid its head upon her lap. So, Shiva said you were a prisoner. Lennox wasn't sure if Astrid was making a statement or asking him a question. Of sorts. What did you do? Her voice was surprisingly deep, but she did not smile, and her eyes were ice. After a moment of thought, Lennox answered. It's difficult to say. I did a great many things, my lady, but no single one was why I ended up in that cell. It was a culmination, really. Did you steal? I did. Did you murder? Again, Lennox kept silent for a moment as he considered the question. Is it murder if the men were armed? This time it was Astrid who paused. She eyed him uncertainly. Was it a fair fight? Never, when I am the foe. Lennox looked at her coldly. But the men I killed had sword and shield in hand, and they could have run, or yielded. I have never struck down a man who bent the knee. Astrid's hand stroked the great wolf's neck, her fingers running through the thick fur. Yes, of course. I would not be presumptuous. I have only just met you. Oh my, Lennox mused. What an audacious woman. It's almost insulting. She has not stopped judging me since the moment she laid eyes on me. He grinned before speaking. Well, let's not hold back our true thoughts. I have only just met you, 
and I am certain you are an unpleasant sort. And to you, I believe, I am no more than a common thief, and perhaps even a murderer. Astrid's face remained a dead pool, devoid of all emotion. Lennox continued, But we are both servants of Lady Soon. He had taken off his glove and was holding up his hand for her to see the ring. Our futures are murky, my lady. We need not be too friendly, but we do share common ground. Well spoken, she answered, irritated by the knight's bluntness. What is it you propose, then? A partnership. We need not be friends, but we will be traveling together, and I would much prefer an amicable atmosphere over an air of mistrust and suspicion. Do you find it difficult for people to trust you? Lennox frowned. You think me a common thief and murderer? I am not. Huh. You sound like a knight. Very well. I see no reason to disagree with you. How might we seal this partnership? With secrets, Lennox offered casually. Astrid studied him warily. What do you mean? He gave her a crooked smile. Secrets, my lady. I mean exactly that. We need not be friends. But if we know something about one another, something we don't want shared, well, then we might begin to trust each other. A shaky trust, true, but a trust nonetheless. I suppose you wish me to speak first. My lady, I wish nothing of the sort. I will go first, and you may determine the severity of my secret, and choose your own accordingly, or share nothing at all if you like. At least then you will hold a secret over me, and I would be most grateful if you kept it safely locked inside your mind. Shiva stirred by the fire. The two grew quiet and watched as he shifted his cape beneath his head and laid it back down gently. Shall we get started? Lennox asked. Astrid nodded her head slightly, but it was enough. He slipped off the silver ring that Fade had given him and watched her blue eyes grow wide. She inhaled a quick breath. Then, a moment later, her face was calm again. It's not the taint he said dully. Astrid said nothing, her eyes fastened to his decrepit face. The silver ring sat in his open palm. He leaned forward to examine it under the firelight. But the mark is similar, and it's not something I want known. The red flames flickered across the smooth silver, its yellow sapphires burning orange. It was a wicked-looking ring, Lennox knew. He slipped it back on and looked towards Astrid. The ring offers me a small disguise, but my touch is still cold, my skin rotten and failing. You say it is not the taint. Why are you a corpse then? A good question, Lennox said, but I have told you one secret already. I do not need tell you a second. The lady nodded. Of course, another time perhaps. Perhaps. Very well. I suppose you want a secret of my own. Just one, and only if you wish to tell it. A secret of equal severity, as you put it. 
Lennox shrugged. Astrid glanced at the warden. What has he told you? Only that you are a pure blood of the North, and that Astrid is not your true name. My true name, she replied. Sad, isn't it? When one must hide themselves under falsities. What are you hiding from? That is not the secret I wish to tell you. You showed me what you truly are. I will tell you who I really am. My name is Lyanna of Kay, the bastard daughter of King Castor of the Northern Lands. In a golden flash, Lennox was kneeling before the fire and taking Astrid's hand into his own. His swiftness startled the lady, and a moment later he kissed her ring, the same oath-keeper ring he bore on his left hand. My lady, your father is a king. Then you are a princess. I'm sorry for my crude words earlier. Surprised, she let her hand linger in his own. I am a bastard's daughter. Many say I am no true princess. Kings and queens, princes and princesses, you are what you make yourself to be, my lady. And with that he let go of the lady's hand, turned, and went back to his seat. Another log cracked and crumbled, tossing the flames high and casting a burning light across his golden armor. He smiled, and just for a moment, hidden beneath the illusion of his ring, Lennox of Martial looked as true a knight as Astrid had ever seen. Chapter 5 It had been ages since Lennox had last ridden a horse, but the stallion he now sat was well trained and the motions returned quickly. They had been five days traveling, but at some point the mountain paths had turned into no more than game trails, easily lost beneath mountain snows. Still, Astrid knew the ways, and they rarely got lost or had to double back. The storm had passed, but the skies were gray. Most of the time the sun remained hidden from view, but sometimes at midday, its rays would pierce through the clouds, lighting up the mountain range and surrounding woods. It was nice. Lennox would always stop then and let the warm rays knock back some of the cold that crept in through his armor. Speed is of great concern here in these woods, Shiva said as he passed by atop his horse. We cannot stop every time the sun appears. We have spent too long in these lands as it is. True to his words, he moved on quickly, pushing his horse to a trot. Lennox picked up his reins and turned his horse when Astrid rode up beside him. I would not name him a patient man. Lennox watched the warden as he rode off before them. Oh, I'm not so sure of that. I believe he knows how to wait when waiting is needed, just as I believe he knows how to move, when moving is called for. That storm kept us trapped for some time. Astrid laughed contemptuously. He wishes to return to his woman. The lady soon? Lennox said. He is bound to her as we are bound. He wears the Oathkeeper ring. Yes, he wears the ring. But he is not like us. Astrid turned her head, 
Her cold eyes shone beneath her gray hood. I've watched you, Sir Knight. Seen you staring into the fires as you fiddle with your ring. We are her slaves. He serves willingly. I think he loves her. Lennox remembered the serpent's words. The scent of a servant. That is what Fade had said. Hmm. He is a wild man, Lennox answered. He lives to hunt and kill. He is calm enough now. But his eyes... Lennox shook his head. He has no room in him to love a woman. Think what you will. I, the way he is unlike us. It would be wise to remember that. I will. Thank you. He smiled beneath his helm, his tone suddenly cheerful. See? This trust of ours is already producing rewards. Tell me, do you know much of our fourth companion? Prince Oscar? The boy prince. She spoke with disdain, her mouth tight with disapproval. But Lennox saw a flicker in her eyes, something soft. Well, that's odd, he thought, and continued on. The boy is five and ten, I am told. Closer to a man than a boy at that age, I would think. Not in the north, was all she said. They were falling behind, so Astrid gave her steed the reins and kicked into a slow gallop. Lennox followed after. They gained on Shiva quickly, and soon were at his side before falling back into a trot. They had been riding down narrow paths and thick forests for two days, and Lennox was relieved to see they were finally approaching a proper pathway. It was not the paved marble streets of Martial, or the tightly packed bricks of Bedivere, or even the cobblestone roads of Solaire. The path was nothing of the sort, barely wide enough for a wagon. The dirt was a mix of mud and snow, but the trees were somewhat cut back, and it ran straight enough. I should think we'll make better time now, Lennox offered as he led his stallion around the newly fallen pine thick with brush. He jumped the cracked stump and emerged onto the road. No, Astrid answered. It will only grow more dangerous from now, at least until we clear the woods. Lennox gave Astrid an inquiring look. We're well below the drowned city now, well away from the taint. It was Shiva who answered. It's not the taint we're thinking of. Further south, the merchant road is well-traveled and kept safe by the guilds. This path is used by the mountain clans, but not often. There is not enough commerce for the guilds to keep patrols and clean out the thieves. Many believe that wretched band of filches keep their stronghold here among these woods. It's not just the thieves, Astrid commented. We're clear the taint, true, but the cursed wander the entire forest nonetheless. Thousands of them. Hollows that stumble down from the drowned city. Some of them are as old as the cursed forest. Their shields still bearing the hammer of the mountain city. Their armor is strong and well enchanted with old magic. It is greatly prized among the clans. There is rarely more than two or three together, Shiva said. There are nothing to fear if you have good eyes. He shot Lennox a flat look. Easily avoided. Astrid nodded. I agree, but they are too dangerous to be ignored altogether. Lennox looked out through his helm. The mountain trails had led them south and then east, 
cutting through narrow pathways in the stones before finally setting them on the eastern bank of the mountain range. There they had broken away from the high trails and began their descent. After that it had been two more days of slow travel before finally emerging in the heart of the woods. But something had felt wrong for some time now, even since their descent. It's still so cold, he thought. This shouldn't be. The snows had stopped falling, leaving behind towering columns of white that swayed as the wind blew across the tops of the pines. He lifted up his visor, confused at what he saw. We should be well below the snow line now. How much further to warmer lands? He turned just in time to see an uneasy glance pass between Astrid and Shiva. Well, that does not bode well. Tell me quickly, and have it done with. This forest has been frozen ever since the drowned city first fell, more than a thousand years ago, Astrid answered. A remnant of the tainted waters above, Shiva added sourly. Not enough to corrupt life, but a cold mark nonetheless. We will not be warm until we're east of the woods. By then we will be close to Solaire. With a sigh, Lennox turned his steed so that he was facing the warden. For the first time since his release, he felt tired. He felt dirty, too. He wanted a bath. He wanted to be clean and warm. But no, he would not remove his armor. He would not even think it. He would endure. He would always endure. Even so, with his visor up, it was clear Lennox was agitated. If this road is as cold and as dangerous as you say, why do we not just travel around it? Why not follow the mountain trails north and take a boat across the sea to Solaire? Shiva shook his head and muttered some curse under his breath before answering. There are no more towns along the mountain coasts. When Bara fell, the coastal towns had no one to ferry. And when the cursed began to wander down from the mountains, the people either moved to Solaire or sailed back to the northern lands. Lennox turned away frustrated with the world around him. And south? He asked. Why not travel south around the forest? Shiva shook his head. It would take us weeks out of the way. Weeks? Lennox scoffed. He looked up at the cold gray sky and then back at Shiva. I have been locked away for nearly a millennia. Why must I risk thieves and the undead? Young Oscar can wait. What are a few more weeks but a breath of time to me? You swore an oath to serve. I, I swore an oath to serve. To serve your oracle, your lady soon. And I will. But she is in Cateron. So it seems to me that I am heading in the wrong direction. Shiva shifted noiselessly in his saddle his hand resting gently on the pommel of his scimitar. I was told to move quickly, and that I was not to return until I had retrieved all three of the lady's retainers. Retainers? Lennox repeated the word and let it hang in the cold air. He eyed Shiva crossly, suddenly angry. Careful, warden. I thought you were wiser than this. The warning meant nothing to Shiva. He sat like a statue, his face cold, his eyes beginning to shine. An uneasiness grew in Lennox's gut. 
churning his stomach. But a line had to be drawn, and sooner rather than later. If it came to a fight, could he win? The knight was unsure. He needs me, Lennox thought. He will not fight to kill. <laughs> Are you two so foolish as to come to blows here and now, deep in the force with no camp set and the sun beginning to fade? Astrid pressed her horse between the two men, pushing back her hood, her eyes furrowed with displeasure. We don't have time for this nonsense. She looked to Lennox. This is not a fight worth your time. The knight looked curious. We're halfway through the woods already. It's two days back to the mountain, or two days east to the clearing. What difference does it make now? None, Lennox realized. He tilted his head slowly, keeping his eyes locked on the warden before holding up his hand in a playful manner. You're right, he said in a casual tone. He flashed both Shiva and Astrid a quizzical grin. I apologize for being difficult. I've been alone a rather long time. Shiva was quiet for a moment, then nodded stiffly. The glimmer in his eyes dwindled, but his hand remained atop his sword. Lennox eyed the blade once more, wondering. Astrid took up her reins, hoping it was settled. Once we're clear of the path, we'll set up camp. She had already turned her mount and was leading the horse down a small slope that ran along the road. Lennox followed behind, all tension seemingly washed away as he carefully led his horse along the narrow tread Astrid had created in the snow. The trees were thick and white, but the ground remained more or less traversable, with the snow only ankle-high off the ground. It wasn't until Lennox's back was turned and he was halfway down the slope that Shiva finally removed his hand from his blade. He watched the knight with a cold expression, his face a mask of tranquility. At last he followed after, bringing up the rear. A half span from the road they found Astrid's two wolves sitting in a small clearing of tall pines, their branches so thick and intertwined that the ground beneath was all but dry, with only small patches of snow encroaching along the edges. The two beasts seemed to have been waiting for their master, and the black one's tail shook with joy upon seeing her. Astrid seemed pleased as well, and dismounted quickly as the two rose to meet her. It was a fine moment, and Lennox watched it intently. She looked softer than the first day he had met her. If only the same could be said about the warden. I had not seen them for days, he said. I thought perhaps they had left us. These two, Astrid said with a laugh, I think not. They have barely left our sight since we entered the forest. Lennox seemed troubled by the words. The woman only smiled. Don't worry. I doubt the warden knew as well. Shiva made no attempt to argue as he dismounted from his steed and tied him to a tree. Astrid knelt down, running her hands through the black fur of the young wolf. This is their home, Sir Knight. The woods and the trees and the snow. This is where they were born. They know it better than we ever will. Hmm. Are there any packs we should be worried about? Astrid shook her head. She looked as though she might say more, but kept it to herself. I'll brush the horses down, Lennox offered. 
you two should rest. Neither of them argued. They shared a meager meal of bread and cheese, and finished off the rest of Astrid's deer before curling up beside the smallest fire the night had ever seen. Hardly more than a pile of embers. But it was better than nothing, he supposed. The cold was different for him. It was a discomfort, but it couldn't kill him. It could hardly slow him down for that matter. Still, as night fell, he found himself sitting before the embers, one leg crossed beneath him as he leaned against the other, the dying flames burning against his golden armor. He had taken off his helm and set it beside the flames and watched as it glowed warm in the firelight. Shiva was fast asleep, a silent specter beneath his black cloak. If Lennox had not seen the smallest rising and falling of the man's chest, he would have sworn the warden dead. Astrid had taken longer. She had spent some time sitting beside the fire with her wolves, running her hands along their necks and feeding them treats from her sack. But soon enough she lay sleeping before the flame, a wolf nuzzled up beside her on either side. Night carried on in a perfect stillness, and Lennox enjoyed the silence. He was used to silence. He knew it well, and he liked it. But he knew its dangers. He had drunk them deeply. There were stretches in his cell where he had had no guard, and was left alone with himself. In some of the longer stretches, being alone had nearly driven him mad. Man is too splintered to be anything but bad company with himself. But another night would always come and fall to the beast above, and return to him hollow, his new guardsman. Lennox remembered their faces, all of them, if not their names. He saw them sometimes when he closed his eyes. He saw them now. They had been his salvation. He had been left alone for so long, but to be left alone is not always to be forsaken. The Creator had seen him, seen and provided. It was a comforting thought, and it made him smile. Sitting beside the fire, Lennox watched as America lifted his head and gazed out into the woods. The wolf's ears perked up as he looked out among the trees and drifting snow. Lennox turned towards the woods, but all he could hear was the soft crackling of the flame. Hmm. Did you hear something? He asked, looking towards the beast. A moment later, Zev lifted her head as well and stared out alongside her brother. Blood and ash. Lennox muttered as he reached for his helm and placed it on his head. He took up his kite shield and turned to face the trees where the wolves were looking. He stood there for a long time, him and the wolves, ever watchful. On impulse he took a step forward, his hand tightening on the grip of his shield. A flicker of motion caught his eye and he froze where he stood, his shield half raised in defense. The light from the fire barely reached the closest trees. Beyond that, shadows filled the air. He scowled beneath his helm utterly aware just how vulnerable they were. Curse the light, he thought as he eyed the flame. A fool's error. The movement came again. This time the black shadow stood out clear against the darkness, but only for a moment before vanishing once more. Strangely, Lennox found his throat grow dry as he waited in the stillness. He was uneasy, his breath steaming out from the slit of his helm. Merrick had risen up and was now standing beside the Golden Knight, his large ears perked up to listen. Zev had stayed where she was, 
but her eyes still searched the surrounding woods. They did not seem scared, not as far as Lennox could tell. More like they were unsure, curious even. At last, Merrick made his way to the edge of their camp just along the tree line where the firelight ended and true darkness began. The large wolf stopped then and turned back to Lennox. He looked as though he wanted the knight to follow him. This was a dangerous place. Lennox knew that now. The trees before him bathed their great heads in the waves of the surrounding darkness while the roots were planted deep in gloom. And all around firelight flickered against the rich brown of the decayed leaves and the fallen pine cones. How far had the taint spread its misery? There was a time when he knew this world, but no more. I am ready, he thought. He turned towards Zeb and said, Keep watch. Then followed Merrick away from the camp and into the woods. The night moved slowly at first, every step carefully placed so as not to trip on some unseen route. The wolf moved much quicker, but always stayed near, his shape never lost upon the night. Slowly, step by step, the campfire began to fade, its shy glimmer lost behind the trees, and as the distance grew his eyes began to adjust to the darkness. Every so often the trees would open up to a cloudless sky. The stars burned bright and the moon most of all, but the woods were thick and the branches would return, reaching out to quickly block what little light the moon and stars offered. A silent breeze flowed through the woods, a cold draft that chilled the bone, and with no fire to cut the cold, the knight found himself shaking if he stood still for too long. Even after his eyes had adjusted it was difficult to see. Many of the trees were heavy with snow, and Lennox had to crouch low and trudge through thick slush to follow after Marrick. The wolf seemed to cover twice as much ground as the knight, his grey fur folding into the shadows to scout what lay before them or dropping behind to sniff at some misscent. It was all the knight could do but follow, moving slowly when the beast moved, pausing when the beast paused, his eyes always searching set deep within his helm. After what seemed like hours, Lennox finally had to stop. Merrick disappeared and reappeared in the distance, and when it was clear that the knight was not going to follow, the wolf drew close. No more, the knight said aloud, as though the wolf could understand. We've gone further than I would have liked as is. The wolf padded even closer then, his large paws leaving behind a small trail in the snow. He looked up at the night, his gold eyes shimmering, and then bent low as if to nod. Lennox stood silent for a moment, then nodded back. The trip back seemed to take twice as long. As before, Merrick would scout ahead, disappearing and reappearing like the stars and moon above. The wind stiffened as the long night stretched forth. Lennox was beginning to grow restless, having seen no sign of camp. But Merrick kept on, keeping the night barely in view. He cursed under his breath with every step, and was beginning to doubt the beast's intelligence, when he suddenly emerged into a clearing, and saw the wolf far off, standing at the base of a large arch tree. Merrick turned briefly, glancing at the night before turning once more to the tree. Well, you certainly found something here, didn't you? The ground was thick with hummus, its dark soil swallowing the sound of Lennox's steps as he made his way across. 
there was a deep scent of moist earth and decay, and the trees that grew were few and scattered, old sentinels and mighty oaks. And at the center of them all, a massive arch tree, twice as tall as the tallest pine, its branches wide and thick, twisting together up into the sky and weaving a dense canopy overhead. It was an old grove set into the heart of the forest, strange that none of the pines had spread throughout the soil. Lennox frowned as he tilted his head back to take in the massive arch tree. The tree's bark was a bitter black, its leaves a shimmering white, hidden now by the snow. They had once ruled all the world, the branches stretching from coast to coast, but no more, not for a long time now, the last remnants of an age long past. It made him sad. His shoulders fell as he let out a sigh. The tree only grew in size as he approached, nearly nine meters in diameter as best he could tell, with large boulders set all around it. The clearing was a quiet place, peaceful. The very air seemed warmer as it swirled around the night. Beside the trunk of the arch tree surrounded by ancient stones, all noise seemed to disappear. There is magic here. Lennox found himself saying aloud. Merrick turned once more, looking at the knight briefly before turning back to the tree. Then Lennox saw it, an emblem carved deep into the bark of the tree, two crescent moons perched against a full moon set in black. His eyes widened as he took a step back, away from the tree. Then he stiffened defiantly. Is this what you wanted to show me? He said, looking at the wolf. Merrick bent his head low once more. Lennox understood. He nodded back. We're leaving, he said, and turned his back to the tree. He saw them instantly. Two men walking like ghosts across the clearing. They made no sound, but took no effort to hide themselves either as they moved, weapons drawn, towards Lennox and the wolf. Both men were clad in full armor that shined red like dirty brass their helms shaped like beasts of the field. The taller of the two stood near eight feet tall and wielded a giant hammer. He was fat too, unimaginably fat. The shorter man was more Lennox's height and held a curved scimitar in his right hand, much like the one Shiva wielded, and in his left was a short rapier. Halt, Lennox called out, and lower thy weapons. The men moved forward untouched by Lennox's words. Alas, he muttered, how easily things go wrong. He tightened his grip along his kite shield and strode quickly out to meet them. He didn't want to get trapped with his back against the arch tree. To his great relief, he saw Merrick striding beside him as he moved out from the base of the tree. I said halt, Lennox tried once more. Again, the men ignored his call. Fine then, so be it. He moved first, darting towards the fat one, hoping he could get close quickly. But the hammer swung wide and fast, faster than he imagined it could be swung. He backed off quickly, barely managing to dodge the blow. The short one came after him then, cutting downward with his scimitar. Lennox took the blow with his shield and jerked back, just in time to avoid a piercing strike from the rapier. Lennox circled to his left, hoping desperately to keep from being surrounded. The short knight followed after, slashing with his scimitar, but Lennox danced away, dodging each blow as they came. It was difficult fighting a man when you could not see his face. It made them harder to read, 
and was half the reason Lennox wore a helm himself. The short night was quick, slashing and thrusting one blow after another, trying for Sir Lennox's legs but falling short. Lennox dodged them all, or blocked the blows he could not avoid. At last he managed to put some distance between them, and took a moment to really look at his opponents. Only for a moment. That's all he had. The short knight's helm was forged in the shape of a jackal. Lennox thought it fitting. The jackal was his main foe, it seemed. The big knight only swung his hammer when Lennox went on the offensive. Merrick hovered close to the fighters, his fur blistering and teeth bared. The wolf was crouched low, trying desperately to lunge at his foes and sink his claws into their flesh. But every time he drew close, the fat one would swing his long hammer, pushing the beast back. Lennox continued left, sidestepping across the soft soil, placing each foot carefully on the uneven ground. The two knights watched him with indifferent eyes, the jackal and the glutton. Something about how they moved reminded Lennox of the hollows back in the cathedral. That cannot be, he thought. They work too well together, each of them moving to protect the other. He clenched his teeth inside his helm. Blood and ash, he yelled. They're too smart to be hollows. Beside him, Merrick growled deep and low before barking loudly. Lennox was strong in his armor light, but without his rings he would tire soon enough. He had to separate them by some means, but how? He eyed the jackal and pressed forward, swinging his flail at the small knight. This time the jackal stood his ground, catching Lennox's flail with his sword before thrusting once more with his rapier. Lennox let go his flail and danced back, narrowly avoiding the blow. The jackal hesitated for a moment, surprised maybe that Lennox had evaded him. He turned to face the golden knight as Lennox drew his dagger. Still moving left, Lennox circled the two men. Merrick moved opposite the Golden Knight, circling towards the glutton, hoping to separate them, if only a little bit. The giant man eyed the beast, but kept his focus on Lennox. Clever wolf, Lennox thought, still circling, always moving. He made one more attempt at speaking to his foes. Your names, sirs. I would know the names of my foes. The glutton's laugh was long and deep, his whole body shaking. There was no other reply. Certainly not hollows. Lennox knew at once. He had never heard the undead laugh. The jackal was matching Lennox's stride step for step, when suddenly Lennox stopped and instead pushed backwards. The jackal lunged, slashing down with his scimitar. Lennox took the blow on his shield and ducked low sidestepping between the jackal and the glutton just as Merrick lunged for the giant man's feet. The glutton grunted as he swung his heavy hammer down. Merrick jumped back, escaping the blow with ease. The glutton turned back, swinging his hammer in a wide arc towards the golden knight. Lennox knew the blow was coming. He threw his dagger at the jackal's face before diving to the ground. The jackal struck at the dagger with his scimitar, tossing it to the floor just as the glutton's hammer took him from the side. The small knight managed to raise his arm in defense just as the hammer struck, crushing the thin lobstered metal that protected his elbow in a loud crunch before beating into his side and sending him flying to the ground in a twist of metal and bones. The glutton pressed forward, showing no remorse for his fallen comrade. He raised his hammer up for another strike, and then Merrick was on him, bearing him down. 
He twisted around and kicked at the wolf before losing his balance and falling to the ground with a shout. Lennox took up the jackal's fallen rapier and ran forward, falling to one knee as he grabbed at the glutton's helm and pushed it to the side, revealing a small, unprotected spot of flesh. He drove the rapier forward, leaning into the sword with all his weight until the blade was halfway into the glutton's chest. The giant man shuddered and lay still. Lennox fell away, silent except for his labored breathing. He looked over towards the jackal, but the knight lay unmoving, his body broken near in half. Merrick stood beside the glutton's corpse, teeth bared, waiting to see if the man would rise. When enough time had passed, he left the glutton and moved to the smaller man and began sniffing at the body. Lennox was about to call out to him when the wolf bent down and tore into the jackal's throat. That put to rest and he thought that the man was still alive. Well fought, Lennox said as Merrick padded his way across the soil to where the golden knight rested. He took off his golden helm and placed it to his side before turning to the wolf. Merrick flinched slightly as Lennox reached out and laid his hand atop his head. Thank you. Sincerely. If I can, I will repay you for this. The wolf looked back at Lennox and the knight was sure he understood. Lennox smiled. He patted Merrick warmly along his neck and took one more look at the jackal and the glutton before picking himself up off the ground. He slung his shield across his back and tucked his helm under his arm, moving then towards his flail that lay half-buried in the hummus. He picked it up and turned towards Merrick. Right then, he said. Let's head back. It will be morning soon. The wolf's ears perked up and he was off, bounding into the snowy woods, away from the arch tree and back into the frigid forest. With a sigh, Lennox shifted his shield atop his back and followed after. Chapter 6 Both Shiva and Astrid were awake when Lennox returned to where they had set camp. The clouds were clear for the first time in days, and the sun was just crusting in the sky, its golden rays flooding through the frozen trees. Nothing moved as he peered out through the woods. The morning was cold and peaceful. It was strange to Lennox how different the woods looked during the day. The gloom seemed to be lifted away with the morning light, but some of the magic was gone as well. He frowned slightly beneath his helm. Shiva watched him emerge from the brush his hand resting atop his hilt, his face stark, his eyes grim. Astrid seemed less interested. She was gathering the saddles and placing them upon the horses. The stallions watched her with sleepy surprise. She spoke to them quietly and made soothing noises as she tightened the girth straps and loaded what little remained of their supplies. They accepted the extra weight with little fuss. Well, Lennox began, I hope the two of you managed to get some rest. I had a rather unpleasant night myself. I find it difficult to rest when the man on watch proves himself lacking. Shiva's tone seeped with disapproval. Letting the wolf sneak up on you in the cave, I can forgive. But abandoning us altogether? We would have been easy prey had ghouls or thieves fallen on us. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Zeb was here when I left and she's ten times the guard any one of us could be. The warden gave Lennox a hard look but said nothing, and behind him Lennox saw Astrid glance toward him with a pleased expression. 
That aside, he continued, why do you think I left in the first place, huh? The warden shifted coldly but remained silent. A situation has developed. An unpleasant expression darted across Shiva's face. It was gone as quickly as it came, leaving him outwardly calm, though his displeasure was clear. What is the situation? I'll show you. Before they set out, Shiva went over the campsite inch by inch to make sure there was no sign that anyone had ever been there. He righted any overturned rocks and quitted the fire, making sure to spread out the remaining ashes. He did it all quickly, taking only a few minutes, but they did not leave until he was satisfied and the ground looked untouched. Merrick led them, taking them through small trails of snow and slush, weaving his way through a maze of trees and thick brush until at last they caught a glimpse of the towering arch tree in the distance. During the night, the sky was black, hiding the mighty tree as it stretched its branches out into the air. But in the light of the day, the tree could be seen a mile out. Merrick quickly disappeared then, and they were left to weave the rest of the way themselves. By the time they reached the clearing, gray clouds ruled the sky. The last rays of sunlight dwindled into nothing, and a cold breeze began to blow through the trees. A pity, Lennox thought. He was tired of being cold. In the daylight, he could see it all. The clearing was a perfect circle with a towering arch tree standing square in the center. The smell of earth and decay was heavy, and the dark hummus stood out in stark contrast to the white snow of the surrounding woods. There were a few trees interspersed throughout the clearing, but beside that it was an open land. Where is the snow? Shiva asked aloud. Lennox gestured to the arch tree. There is magic in the tree. It keeps the land warm and the soil alive with life. What is this place? Astrid asked, speaking up. A garden, Lennox answered. This does not look like any garden I've seen. I'm not surprised. This land was crafted by the giants before the war destroyed them. With no one left to cultivate the land, they quickly disappeared, except for a very few. It is said Armoros himself set the wards, protecting the arch trees and preserving the legacy of the giants. He smiled sadly inside his helm as he looked once more upon the massive tree. This might very well be the last living garden of the giants. And now it's been tainted. He said the last words quietly to himself as he kicked his horse forward. The others quickly followed after. The bodies of the two men Lennox had slain lay sprawled out across the earth, their forms settling into the soil where they rested. The jackal was on his side, half broken wrapped in twisted and warped metal. The glutton on his back, the rapier sticking up from the side of his neck. They were as Lennox had left them. Why, look at you, Shiva said as they drew near, hunting alone in the middle of the night. I can't say I approve, though I would have done the same. He was smiling as he spoke, the joy of the hunt clear by his expression. He pushed ahead, eager to reach the fallen knights. The fat one must be three meters tall, he called back. Lennox turned towards Astrid. The woman's eyes were fierce, her face displeased with what she saw. 
you are familiar with these men? He asked. Perhaps, was all she said. They continued forward towards Shiva who had already dismounted for a closer look, tying off his stallion to a nearby oak. They followed suit, dismounting from the rides before tying them off together. Even in her mute state, Astrid's eyes searched all around them, staring out across the clearing as if there was something to see except the same cold forest they'd been traveling through day after day. If she did see anything, it evaded Lennox. He eyed the two men cautiously as he approached, raising his visor for a better look. Their armor looked faded to him somehow. In the heart of the night when they fought, their rust-red armor almost seemed to glow, as though the men themselves had been wrapped in embers. Now it looked pale and dead, as lifeless as the men it once protected. Sir Knight, Shiva called out, still smiling, waving for Lennox to come to him. You'll want to see this. A deep knot began to form in Lennox's stomach. He mistrusted Shiva's smile. Just here, Shiva said, pointing. He was on one knee, cradling the jackal's helm in his hand and twisting the head so that the sigil could be seen clearly. These are his servants, the Dark Moon Alchemist. This is his sigil, yes? The crest was etched into the back of the jackal's helm, a perfect match to the marking set in the arch tree. Lennox inhaled quickly, surprised at his own foolishness. He turned and strode towards the glutton, bending down to examine the fat man's helm. He found nothing. Unsatisfied, he grabbed at the rapier, pushing it forward with all his might, hoping to turn the glutton's head. When nothing happened, he called out to Shiva for help. With the two of them together, they managed to turn the body enough for Lennox to grab the helmet and lift it clear of the hummus. He turned the head sideways before letting go. The heavy helm hit the earth with a thud, and the dark moon sigil showed clearly on the glutton's forehead. He stepped away, looking once more at the jackal's twisted body with furrowed eyes. He was breathing deeply, and was angry. He had suspected, but to see the dark moon sigil so blatantly embedded on the arch tree and in the knight's armor, it was troubling. He retrieved the rapier from the glutton's head, tugging at it several times before it finally came loose. Both Astrid and Shiva watched him with curious eyes, but kept quiet. With the rapier in hand, he made his way to the arch tree, pausing only a moment before plunging the sword's tip into the etching on the tree, piercing the black moon with a blade as he called out words from an ancient tongue. Imondationum, lusum. The world went white as light spilled forth from the pierced tree, a striking blast, as bright as the sun but without the heat, blinding all who gazed upon it. Large clusters of smoke followed, billowing out in clumps of dark death. They engulfed Lennox, blocking him from sight as he clutched at the rapier and screamed out another spell. The building chaos only grew, until, all at once, the light retreated, and the earth grew silent. For a time, no one moved, and a resting stillness fell upon the woods. Sir Knight, Astrid called out, taking a step. Wait, Shiva said, taking her by the wrist. Don't go into the smoke. She hesitated, 
looking back into the thick cloud of black. She went to move forward. Stop it, I said. He just broke a curse. A powerful one. That smoke could kill you if you breathe it in. Or worse. With great hesitation, she relented. The warden released his grip, and together they waited, watching as the smoke hovered about the archtree like a morning mist, until, at last, it began to dissipate, and the smallest glimpses of Lennox's golden armor could be seen twinkling through the smoke. He was kneeling with his head bent low, his armor rising and falling in slow, rolling breaths. Astrid watched nervously when, to her great surprise, Lennox rose. She could see it was difficult for him. His hunched shoulders and heavy head seemed to weigh him down until finally he took off his helm and let it fall to the ground as he emerged from the thinning smoke. It was Shiva who met him first, taking his arm and resting it along his shoulders as he helped the knight away from the arch tree towards one of the smaller oaks. No need to go quick, Sir Knight, he said before helping Lennox to the ground and leaning him against the trunk of the tree. Lennox sat there for some time, sitting in a somber and crestfallen daze, his face troubled. He shook his head, his long hair dripping with sweat. The cold returned quickly, but he didn't mind. He drew in on himself, saying nothing. His companions waited as well, watching the golden night, waiting for him to come back. For once Shiva looked concerned, and after a time the warden knelt beside the knight and took him by the chin, turning his head gently. Shiva's mouth tightened, but when he spoke, all he said was, Can you ride? Some sort of understanding returned to Lennox then. His eyes rolled to Astrid and then back to the warden before nodding yes. Shiva seemed pleased and nodded back. You poor fool. <laughs> he patted Lennox on the shoulder and rose. Astrid, we need to leave. Gather his helm. I'll retrieve the horses. The black smoke and ash that surrounded the arch tree was all but gone, though Astrid moved quickly just the same. Snatching the golden helm from the dark soil and returning to Lennox, he looked down, pale with sweat, but his eyes were present and bright. She knelt beside him, placing his helm in his lap. He chuckled. Thank you. He held the helm in his hands, gazing down into the empty visor. I don't remember losing it. You were having trouble breathing after taking in so much of that foul smoke. He nodded as though he already knew. Yes, well, it was a foolish work, but it needed to be done. I don't understand. Why risk yourself breaking the curse? And who is this Dark Moon Alchemist? Shiva keeps speaking of. Lennox blinked in surprise. She had recognized the two knights. He was certain of that. Yet she knew nothing of the Dark Moon Alchemist. What was her part in this? Those men, he said gesturing to the dead knights. You know them. Don't deny it. I can't be sure, she answered. You can, and you are. Now tell me. I can't, she said. You assume too much. I have never seen those men. As you say, my lady. But you know them nonetheless, yes? 
He watched her closely, watched as doubt crept in. I told you, she started, her words softer this time. I don't know, but their armor, their masks. She shook her head, her eyes stern. I cannot say. My father would not approve. My lady, you have obligations to fulfill, as do I. Else, I would not have put on this Oathkeeper ring. But there is no reason we cannot help each other in these tasks. Even if only a little. Tell me what you know of these men, and I will do the same. Astrid paused, her eyes shifting towards Shiva for a brief moment. Very well, but later. The warden knows too much already. I wish to keep this from him. Consider it another secret between allies. Lennox chuckled deep in his throat, a tired laugh. Of course, my lady. Nothing would please me more. When the moment presents itself, we shall speak on the matter. Satisfied, Astrid gave a curt nod just as Shiva appeared atop his stallion, leading the horses towards the small oak. It's time, he called out. It would be unwise for us to delay any longer. Of course, Lennox said with a nod, sounding as if he had found a second wind. He placed his helm atop his head and held out his hand. My lady, if you may. She took his arm and helped him to his feet. His body shook as he rose, but once on his feet he seemed steady enough. Are you sure you can ride? Shiva asked. He eyed the knight warily. Lennox lifted his visor. His eyes were strong. The warden nodded and threw over a pair of reins, watching as they quickly mounted. Right then, off we go. Be sure not to fall behind. He wheeled his horse about as Astrid and Shiva followed wordlessly after. Shiva led the way, clad in a shadowed cloak atop a black steed. The big man was almost invisible in the muddied forest light. They rode together in a steady trot, following his trail through the winding pathways. Astrid's dark wolves, matching the horse's sluggish pace with ease, were black phantoms darting across fields of white. Lennox rode last in line, with Astrid just before him and Shiva not far ahead. The warden never turned, reserving his eyes for what lay before him. If cursed undead were to appear behind, or more knights like the ones Lennox had fought, it would be up to Merrick or Zev to sound an alarm. That was of some comfort to Lennox. His body felt fragile as he cursed his own weakness under his breath. He had never felt so mortal as he did now. Lennox's chest expanded as he took in a breath of the icy air. It hurt, but he didn't mind. He closed his eyes. The fragrance of winter frost surrounded him. So different from his prison cell. He smiled and took in another breath. He craned his neck to peer behind, hoping for one last glimpse of the arch tree. But they had gone too far. A pity, he thought, before looking up at the sky. On and on they went, eastward across the woods, the sky slowly fading to twilight. Now and again the wolves flashed into sight before disappearing quickly into memory. Still, their sharp howls could be heard echoing through the trees when not seen. 
For a time, the sky was red and orange, the thick clouds colored brightly by the fading sun. Though, often they could see little of the sky, and soon the colors were all gone, and black was the color of the night. Shiva brought the line of horses to a crawl. Lennox clung to his saddle and reins with cautious vigor. It was dangerous to ride in darkness. One misstep or unseen rock could trip the horses. And if they went lame, they would need to be put down. There was no other option considering their state. He had saved the arch tree when he destroyed the dark moon's sigil, but he had lit a beacon in doing so. Their location was known, and the enemy would come. Lennox reached down, rubbing at the ache that filled his tired legs. Ahead of them came the familiar sound of trickling water. A stream, Lennox considered. Not much else it could be. But as they drew closer, the path widened, revealing an opening in the woods. Lennox frowned as they neared, realization slowly settling in. Following Shiva's example, he dismounted, running his hand along his stallion's neck in gentle appreciation. Their pace had been mild, but they had traveled far over rough terrain, and Squall stood with his head bowed, steam rising up from his sweaty fur. Good boy, Squall, Lennox said quietly as he tied him to a tree. Take a rest now. Shiva stood at the water's edge, looking out across the half-frozen lake. Astrid stood beside him, neither of them speaking. Lennox lifted his visor. Ah... It seems we've come to an impasse. The three of them stood in silence, gazing out across the sunken bridge. A low dock of rotted and dying wood stretched out across the water to the other side of the lake. It appeared sturdy enough except for a large section in the center that had collapsed beneath the water. Up above, the sky was clear but for a single cloud that hovered in the face of the moon, casting down pale light onto the icy water and snow-covered trees that lined the lake's edge. Shiva looked to Astrid. Well? he asked, his tone sharp. This bridge of yours is no good. What now? The lake is shallow further south. We could try to ford across just before the current returns. Astrid shook her head. No, it would be unwise to trust these waters. We will have to spend another night in the woods, but it is better we head north. There is another bridge we may cross. Shiva had perceived Lennox moving alongside the lake as he stood talking with Astrid, but he stopped short when he saw the Golden Knight begin to walk out along the shattered bridge. Sir Knight, he called out. Lennox stopped and turned, holding up his finger to his helm in a whispering motion. He signaled for them to stay where they were before continuing down the dock, flail in hand and shield at the ready. What's he doing? Astrid whispered. He sees something, Shiva answered, his eyes feverishly searching the still waters. A cold gust swept across the lake, pushing at some of the chunks of ice that floated along the surface. One of the larger ones flipped, casting out long waves of ripples across the lake's glassy surface. Both Shiva and Astrid reached for their weapons as Lennox froze where he stood, but the gust passed and the ripples died out, leaving the lake peaceful once more. Lennox let out a sigh of relief before pressing forward, half-crouched, along the decrepit bridge. The wood was covered with a thin layer of ice that made each step more dangerous than the last, as the wood slowly cracked beneath his weight. There, he thought, 
pleased that he had been right. He couldn't be sure, not from the shore, but he saw it now, a single corpse, hidden among the rubble of the fallen bridge. He reached the end of the bridge and scanned the lake's surface once more, but saw nothing except the outline of Shiva and Astrid as they watched silently from the shore. Content, he set his maze aside and crawled down to his stomach, and went about pulling out the corpse. Perhaps I should have brought Shiva along, he reflected. The body was heavy and frozen through, but the bridge hovered close to the water's surface, and he managed to pull the body up on his third attempt. At first he thought the corpse was a child, but a second glance told him it was actually a dwarf. He was happy for that. Had it been a full-sized man, he doubted he would have been able to lift the corpse alone. The dwarf's clothes were half-torn and frozen in clumps, and Lennox had to smash him with his flail to break the ice off. But after two good swings, the ice shattered, and he was able to peel back the cloth around the little man's neck. He checked the dwarf's wrists and ankles too, and when he was satisfied, he dragged the corpse back to the edge of the bridge and kicked him into the water with a splash. He was breathing heavily then. Small puffs of steam shot out from his visor with every breath, but it had been worth it. He had to know, and his energy would return soon enough. What was he looking for? Astrid asked softly to Shiva. They stood together on the murky shore as another vagrant gust descended on the lake. With no trees to act as a buffer, the wind cut into them with cold indifference. Shiva seemed apathetic towards the whole ordeal. His eyes followed Lennox as the knight made his way back across the bridge. But just as the knight drew close, he turned to leave. It doesn't matter, he said at last. Ask if you truly wish to know. But make it quick. These woods grow more dangerous with each passing hour. The warden left her then, and she stood alone on the shore when Lennox returned. The knight was still breathing heavily, but he was moving fast, and just as he went to speak, he passed her by. We need to go, he said hurriedly. Wait, Astrid said, grabbing at Lennox's arm. What did you find out there? And who is this dark moon alchemist? Shiva has been unsettled ever since you broke the curse on the arch tree. I want to know just who might be after us. Lennox paused, glancing toward Shiva and the horses before lowering his voice. Now is not the time to discuss the dark moon. As to what I found, it was a corpse. A small man. A dwarf, actually. I needed to see if he bore the dark moon's sigil. He did not. A ghoul, then? Lennox shook his head. A ghoul would have been better. I don't know who the man was. An alchemist, maybe. An alchemist? Lennox shrugged. I can't say for certain, but he had some sort of marking tattooed onto the side of his ankle. It looked alchemic in nature. Overlapping triangles, one of them inverted. I don't know what it means. Astrid understood. The man was no alchemist, she corrected. He's a thief. Are you certain? Yes. Lennox turned and looked out across the lake once more. Ah, uh, well, whatever he was, he's dead now, and we should be going as well. We'll speak more on the matter, I promise. But later, remember... You have answers that I wish to know as well. Hmm. So be it. 
Astrid said, releasing Lennox's arm. Right then. You yourself said we'll have to spend another night in the woods. Best not make it too. Shiva was waiting for them when they returned from the shore. He was mounted atop his black stallion, one hand resting upon his lap, the other clutching the reins as the nervous horse pawed at the earth. With the smallest of checks, the stallion became still, glancing back towards Shiva in quiet obedience. The corpse. Was it tainted? No. Lennox said as he climbed up atop his horse. A moment later, Astrid was up as well. The girl claims he had the mark of a thief. He gestured towards her with his free hand, but she apparently took no notice. Astrid spoke up then. If the tattoo you described was accurate, the man was more than just a common thief. He's of the guild. There's no other explanation. Lennox cocked his head curiously. Oh, I admit the circumstances are queer, but it's best not to jump to conclusions. The night is right, Shiva added. Some say the guild doesn't exist at all, and if they did, why would they have a tattoo marking themselves? And how would you know of it? Perhaps the dwarf was just a merchant. The dwarf? Lennox smiled beneath his helm. Had the big man seen the corpse from the shore? Could he tell from that distance? Or had he listened in on their conversation? Lennox couldn't be sure. I must keep my voice soft, he thought. These men aren't purse thieves to be caught by the city guard, Astrid continued. These men steal gold and treasures like you've never seen. One cannot seek them out. They find you. She turned about and gazed at Shiva under lowered brows. And to shed light on your question, Warden, the tattoo shows one is worthy to join the guild. You wouldn't be a very good thief if you got caught, wouldn't you say? One cannot elude the light forever, he replied. They would have been found out. Even my mistress has never mentioned them before. Astrid laughed aloud at this. Oh, I forgot about your mistress. She knows much, I'm sure but it would be foolish to attribute to your mistress what belongs only to the Creator. Even Shem, who held the knowledge of all names, failed when his time came. The warden shook his head. I would not speak his name lightly. I'll do as I will, as we all must. She turned her horse about, glancing over her shoulder as she spoke her final piece. I'm simply giving advice, warden. You don't have to take it. A flash of anger touched Shiva's eyes, but he only smiled, and even managed a small laugh in the end. Lennox thought the big man was going to say something, but he didn't. Instead, the warden kicked his horse forward and followed quickly after Astrid, his eyes calm and still. Do as I will. Lennox pondered the phrase as he turned Squall about. Her words, but they meant nothing. He rolled the Oathkeeper ring around his finger and gave it a little tug. The ring stayed firmly where it was. Neither of them could do as they willed. Not yet. But he had time. Did Astrid? He wasn't sure. But he imagined he would find out soon enough. Let's go, boy, he said aloud. I've had just about enough with this forest. An extra night sounds dreadful.
Chapter 7 Under the laden sky, Squall trudged north along the icy river. Lennox sat atop the stallion, rubbing at the ache that ran along his legs. They were better than they had been upon first leaving the mountain, but his legs were still unaccustomed to such heavy riding, and sometimes the ache seemed to seep deep into his bones. He grimaced as they came to a halt, his helm hiding any discomfort he felt from his companions. The knight looked out to see why they had stopped and caught a quick glimpse of Merrick slipping through the woods not far ahead. The wolves had been absent most of the morning, and seeing them now was a small comfort to Lennox. He was able to relax, if only a little, knowing the two wolves were near. The big wolf disappeared quickly though, and before Lennox managed to speak two words, Shiva was pressing on. The golden knight let out a sigh and kicked his horse forward. He wished they could stop, if only for a small stretch. But the force was dangerous, and he pressed those thoughts aside. The warden had the right of it. They needed to keep moving. He pushed Squall into a trot and didn't stop until he was beside Astrid. They had found a small pathway that ran along the river about an hour earlier, and had been following it ever since. Astrid shifted in her seat and turned to look at Lennox. The bridge shouldn't be far now, she said in anticipation. Less than a mile, I should think. We rode west for a bit, before the river turned north again. Of course, she answered with a nod. Hmm. My guess would be we're right back in the middle of the forest then. Tell me, is there any chance the second bridge might be in a similar state? If so, I feel we might be stuck without recourse. The bridge along the lake was old. It could have fallen on its own. In fact... I imagine that's exactly what happened. This is the main road. I understand why Shiva wanted us to avoid it. But it is maintained, though sparsely, I admit. She turned her eyes forward. The bridge is strong and made of stone. It will be there. Lennox lifted the visor of his helm before rubbing at his shoulder. Ah, well, I must say, you've quite convinced me. Did you hurt your shoulder? she asked suddenly. I've seen you favoring it as we ride. Lennox's eyes crested as he smiled. Thank you, my lady. I'm grateful that you noticed. I seem to have sprained it when I fought those two knights. But believe me when I tell you, it will be fine. It's sore is all. I've been indolent for so long. I feel as though my body has begun to petrify. Astrid smiled, amused by the knight's words. There is a light-heartedness to you, Sir Knight. It is not something I would have expected. And you, my lady, are not as cold as I first thought. In fact, I would almost say you have a warm nature to you. Astrid looked unimpressed by the knight's compliment. He continued. I said, almost... They turned a small bend in the river, and suddenly the stone bridge was in view. It was a long viaduct passage made up of six arches that spanned across a small valley. The river ran swiftly below, but the bridge was built strong with a dark, nice stone inlaid with layers of red that stood concrete above the flowing waters. Its columns were made thick and drove deep into the river, casting about great waves of spray as the running water broke upon them. The girl was right. Lennox recognized. The bridge was made to endure. The road broke off from the river then,
driving deep into the forest on a slight incline, but soon enough it curved back towards the river and emerged atop the valley. From there it was a straight path to the bridge, and they reached it within the hour. The sky was cloudy with scattered patches of blue where the sun would burst through in streaming rays of light that opened and closed and opened again as the clouds shifted above. The brilliant rays cascaded upon the bridge like a waterfall of light, but there was little warmth to be felt, and snow still covered the stone where the river spray could not reach. They pressed forward, their stallions' hooves silent as they beat against the soft snow. A single archway sat over the central pier with an engraving written deep into the stone. The three riders eyed it warily as they passed beneath. Lennox gave the warden a curious glance before turning to Astrid. Can you not read it? Astrid eyed him back questionably. You can. Lennox nodded. Of course. Astrid shook her head. I cannot. It is a language dead and gone. I see. Lennox looked up at the archway. It's an inscription. It reads, Forgive me, all of you, for I have availed you nothing. There is more, but it has faded beyond recognition. There was sadness in his words, a distant sadness. They passed across the bridge to the other side and began following the road south again. Lennox inquired as to the direction, but once again, Astrid assured him that soon enough the road would break east. Shiva pulled on his reins, bringing his stallion to a halt. No, we get off here. He was looking east into the forest. A narrow game trail ran perpendicular to the road for a few spans before disappearing behind some brush. But his eyes were on Merrick. The gray beast stood alone in the tree line, his golden eyes locked on the party. He was staring at them, watching as his sister came walking up behind them. Zev crossed their path and bounded across the snow towards her brother before disappearing into the woods. Without a word, Shiva turned his horse and made his way across the road towards the two wolves. Lennox and Astrid followed after. Your wolves have taken a liking to Shiva, Lennox began. He didn't make them swear an oath of service, did he? It was meant as a jest, but Astrid looked on with indifference, her hands grasping tightly at her reins. He is like them, a predator. They see it and are drawn to him. I don't mistrust their loyalty, but I will be pleased when my business with the warden has concluded. Hmm, I won't say I disagree with you, but as long as you're tied to him, you might as well embrace it. What do you mean? I mean, watch him, my lady. There is much to learn by observing predators. Watch how he moves, how he eats, how he talks with others, and how they respond. Watch how he fights. He is a dangerous man. Watch him. Learn how to be dangerous. Why are you telling me this? Lennox grinned though it was hidden beneath his helm. Because I want to help you, my lady, and I fear you have much to learn. You've been in the company of wolves too long, and they cannot join us in the cities. I'm afraid you'll only have me, and that sour man there, and neither of us is the best of companions. Ten hells, 
I've been locked away for a thousand years. I can't imagine my conduct is in the right. You seem quite normal to me. <laughs> my lady, I am a knight. I imagine in some ways that makes it easier for me. Men and women see my armor and expect me to act a certain way, and I oblige them. Even so, one cannot be too careful in a city like Solaire. You are of the mountains in the north. That is good. Things are simpler there. Men do their work and say what they mean. But Solaire is a city of wizards and philosophers, kings and nobility. Frankly said, my lady, it's a terrible place. Of all the jewel cities, it was my least favorite. You said yourself, Sir Knight. Much time has passed. Perhaps you will find the city has changed. Lennox paused thoughtfully for a moment, and then said, I imagine the city has changed a great deal, my lady. I'm sure new buildings have been erected and fallen. Certain houses held power, and then lost it. Hypocrites as well as the devout led the faith of the cathedrals. And yet, despite all this, Solaire remains. You cannot change the heart of a city, my lady. If the people of Solaire found out what was hidden beneath this enchanted ring, why, half the city guard and most of the clergy would wish me burned, right then and there for being hollow. The wizards and scholars would desire to study me, and only the creator knows what the nobility would want with me. Cities have never been a place for the civilized, she replied, though if your true state was to be revealed, I cannot imagine you would be safe anywhere. My lady, you misunderstand me. It's not my well-being I'm concerned about. I would bring that city to its knees if they tried to harm me. But I can't be with you at all times. I'm offering you advice. Solaire was always a home of vipers. I'm simply telling you not to get bit. At that, Lennox found herself at a loss for words. She could only bow her head politely and say, Thank you for your guidance, Sir Knight. Sometime later, when the sun was beginning to settle, Lennox offered Astrid another word, almost as though he had forgotten to mention it. And yet, despite all I have said, perhaps I am wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. After that he spoke no more. Not until the sun had all but set, and they had found a small clearing to set a fireless camp. Shiva had insisted there be no fire, and both Lennox and Astrid didn't argue. There had been an odd feeling lingering among them, ever since they encountered the fallen bridge. Something about the dwarf had shaken Lennox, and he found himself seeking out the wolf's presence, hoping to find them near. I see one, but where is her brother? After looking around the camp, he saw no sign of the wolf. Have you seen Merrick? He asked Astrid. She sat huddled against the base of a tree, hoping she might fall asleep quickly. She shook her head. Probably off hunting. Not long after, she was asleep, and the camp was quiet except for a soft whining of the horses who stood tied together in the brisk night air. 
Lennox sat with Shiva until the warden fell asleep, leaving Lennox alone to keep an eye on the camp and watch as the starry sky above twinkled like the jewels of God's crest. Lennox laughed. So far his freedom had not been what he had hoped it might be. Failure followed his every step, it seemed. But no matter. Pain is temporal, he told himself. It makes its mark and moves on, and always he endures. He twisted his oathkeeper ring around his finger and smiled, anticipating the day he would take it off. It was not far off. Not truly. It was bitter cold without a fire, and as night ambled on, the sky darkened until it was black as coal, leaving little light for the night to keep watching. Lennox stood leaning against the tree with his arms crossed before him. Zev lay beside him, her eyes a smoldering green. He was all but blind in the dark, squinting hopelessly out into the forest trees when a pair of yellow-gold eyes suddenly appeared from the shadows. He reached out for his flail but stopped short. Watching as the yellow orbs drifted closer through the dark, Zev stood, but was otherwise unalarmed. Merrick, he called out quietly. The big wolf waded forward and Lennox let out a breath of relief. He shook his head, grinning at the wolf. Why, for a moment there, I thought you were death incarnate. Come to take me away. Zev had walked out to meet him and was rubbing her neck upon his in a soothing motion. He nuzzled back and when she was done she returned to the camp and sat down beside Astrid who seemed happy for the extra warmth. Lennox stepped out to meet Merrick, scratching at the grey wolf behind the ears. The yellow-gold eyes watched him coolly. The great beast came up nearly to his chest and Astrid told him the beast was still growing. I know what you want, Lennox said shaking his head. But I won't have it. The last time I followed after you, I found myself in quite a mess. Merrick understood. The great wolf moved past Lennox towards his sister, rubbing up against her once more before breaking off back into the woods like a shadow. After that, Zev rose and began circling the camp. She had shaken away her sleep and now stood sentry. Her eyes were wary and her ears up and out listening for what was to come. Lennox watched her inquiringly. Perhaps things are worse than I thought, he said aloud. But what he thought was, what damn beasts are coming this time? Then the wind began to shriek, and a cold shiver ran along his spine. They stood their ground in silence, Lennox and Zev keeping watch on the darkness surrounding them. Zev had taken to circling the camp, her eyes ever watchful. Lennox stood with shield and flail in hand. Merrick had found something, and the knight would not be taken off guard. Yet despite his vigilance, an uneasy feeling began to settle in the corner of his mind and grow as the long night continued. Something was coming. He could feel it in his bones. Far off to the east, a wolf began to howl. A second voice picked up the call, then another. Zev cocked her head and listened. What is it? Lennox asked as he kneeled besides the wolf. More howls followed until at last Zev herself stepped forward and bent her head back howling high into the night 
in accord with her cousins. Both Shiva and Astrid were awake now, eyes wide as they rose from their thin sleep. Zev, quiet, Astrid hushed. Be silent. What is she howling at? Shiva asked. He had taken to one knee with bow in hand, and was notching an arrow as he gazed out into the surrounding trees. I don't see anything. None of us do, Lennox told him. I don't believe an enemy is near. Then what is she howling about? It's Merrick. He left the camp not long ago. It's his call that started this. There's no way to know that, Shiva answered gruffly. He had yet to draw back the bow, but his eyes still searched the forest. No, he's right, Astrid said quietly. Zev would not have answered unless it was Merrick who called. We must go to him. It was Lennox who spoke next. Go to him? My lady, as far as we know, Merrick is sending us a warning. We should leave now. Head south, perhaps. I will not abandon him. Zev, to me. Astrid's wolf moved, swift and silent, and then they were off, heading east into the black woods. We'll lose them quick if we don't follow, Shiva said. Somehow Lennox didn't think the warden was too disappointed. With a quick nod, Lennox and the warden chased after. Under the cover of trees, what little light there was had been wiped away, and the darkness was complete. The snow was almost up to Lennox's knees, and with every step it became harder to move. They reached a small clearing where an overturned tree had fallen, but the knight saw no sign of Astrid or her wolf. Blood and ash, where could they be? I lost the path, Lennox called out. This way, a voice answered from the dark. Lennox moved quickly, following the warden's shadow further east into even deeper snow, but to no avail. Shiva, he called out. This way, Sir Knight, the voice returned. Lennox stopped where he stood. Something was wrong. Through the slit of his helm, he beheld a shadowed figure moving towards him. He lifted his visor and saw two more to his left, and one was nearly upon him. Lennox pivoted left, swinging his flail with all his might into the head of the first ghoul. The spiked ball hit hard into the hollow's leather helm before ricocheting up. The ghoul fell dead into the snow and never rose. The other two rushed in quick. The snow made it hard to move, but Lennox managed to push back to where the snow was not as high and met his foes head on. Neither of the hollows had shields, so Lennox decided to attack first, swinging his flail high above his head before bringing it down upon the closer of the two. The spiked ball found its mark, crashing into the ghoul's left arm. Lennox swung his flail round for a second strike, this time aiming for its neck. Too far, the ghoul lurched forward and the ball missed its mark, instead wrapping itself around the hollow's neck. Lennox yanked at the chain, causing the ghoul to fall forward into the snow. He pulled again with all his might, snapping the neck of the undead soldier. By then the third ghoul was upon him, smashing into the golden knight before he could raise his shield. A sickening crunch and he was falling to the ground. The world went white as the snow swallowed him up. His flail was gone, just like that, left wrapped around the neck of the second ghoul. He rolled onto his back and reached for his dagger when the ghoul drew up and began raining blows upon him. Lennox raised his shield, 
deflecting the strikes as best he could. He grunted under the strain and finally ditched the shield and rolled away. He was on one knee when the hollow charged, driving his rusted sword forward like a spear. Curse these woods, Lennox thought, before reaching his arm forward and grabbing at the ghoul's blade with his bare hand. The hollow sword stopped just short of his belly. A startled expression appeared across the ghoul's face, almost as though he could not understand what the knight had just done to halt him. He looked up at Lennox, and there was neither heat nor life in the soldier's eyes. Still clasping the hollow sword, Lennox drew the ghoul forward as he slipped his long dagger from the sheath and plunged it into the hollow's heart. The creature's dead eyes stared back at him coldly, as though nothing had happened. Lennox kicked the ghoul away and the creature fell back into the snow with a soft crunch. Lennox raised his dagger and gazed out across the woods. He felt near blind in truth, having barely noticed the ghouls before they were upon him. But all was calm once more, and the shadows stayed in their place. His hand burned as though he had thrust it into flames. Damn those ghouls! Damn them to hell! The blade had cut through his glove like butter. He was so weak without his rings. He had to be careful, more careful even than he had first thought, if such a weak creature could injure him so. He considered healing the wound with magic, but decided against it. It was some time till morning yet, and he might need every bit of magic he could conjure before he was clear of the woods. He retrieved his shield and flail, tearing off a piece of cloth from one of the ghouls and wrapping it around his hand before continuing east, or at least his best guess of which way east could be. Lennox was lost for some time after that, unable to return to their camp even if he wished to. He searched for any trail Shiva might have left in the snow. As agile as the man was, it would be impossible for the big man to leave no trace of himself. Yet, Lennox found no sign of the warden, nor of Astrid or the wolves. Blood and ash, he thought, as he took a seat upon a fallen tree. His body began to shake from the cold, his chest laboring for every breath. He clutched his wounded hand, feeling the warm blood as it pulsed along with his beating heart. It burned. He held it to his chest, hoping some of the warmth might spread to his body. It did not. Ten hells. He wanted to scream the words, but he dared not reveal his location to any ghouls that might be wandering close. He could do without running across any more undead, especially while his hand was wounded. It was hard to grip his shield and he wasn't sure how many blows he would be able to withstand if it came to another fight. He needed to escape the woods, but it would be difficult now without Shiva or the girl to guide him, or horse to travel upon. He could do without Squall, but a whole list of worries would disappear if he could only find his companions. He would even settle for Merrick or Zev. Well, best to face a hard truth than wish for it to go away, he said to himself as he rose. But where to go? A deep howl went up then, a long, drawn-out cry that swept across the top of the trees like a midnight specter. Oh, The howls died down and only the wind remained. Lennox tilted his head back and waited, hoping the cries might come again. Oh, oh! Hmm, at last a spot of luck. He couldn't know for sure if it was Merrick or Zev, but at least he had a direction. He set out across the woods, crossing the snow as quietly as he could. 
He gave up on carrying the shield and slung it upon his back. It was easier to move then, but he felt vulnerable without the extra armor in hand. His legs had become so cramped from riding that he was happy for the chance to stretch them out. But it was a shallow sort of joy. He shivered as he took a step forward, falling waist-deep into the snow. Curse this place, he grumbled. It took him half a minute to escape, and by then the snow was sticking to his armor like ice. He scraped at the snow with his gloved hand and trembled as the breeze gusted through the woods, kicking up loose snow from their surrounding trees and causing it to fall on top of Lennox. He had no need for food or water, but he had left his flint back with Squall and cursed his stupidity for not keeping it upon him. It was easy to enhance a flame that already existed, much harder to create one anew. He would just have to suffer the cold. A little warmth was not worth the cost in magic. He had endured the dampness and stench of his cell, the loneliness of solitude. His cold body was simply another state of malice, and nothing that could kill him. He would bear it. Time wasn't the problem he knew. He needed to retrieve his effects. He needed to rid himself of the Oathkeeper ring. He needed to find his companions. He needed to escape the woods. So much to do. Yet he had the time. Ow! Ow! The howls were louder now. He was getting close. He closed his eyes, listening intently to the wolf cries as they were carried off by the wind. They sounded weaker to Lennox, more feeble somehow. Astrid and Shiva would be moving towards the wolf's call. But what of the undead? Would they be drawn or pushed away? He had already fought three. It would be dangerous if the howls drew in too many more. He drummed on his thigh with his fingers, weighing, considering. Difficult to predict, but he had little choice. As long as he was alone, the risk of peril amplified tenfold. His decision made, he continued onward towards the howling of the wolves. The further east Lennox traveled, the thicker the woods grew. Clumps of trees spotted with thick brush made it near impossible for the knight to traverse certain paths, and he had to backtrack more than once as he inched his way through the snow. He sank into shadow, darting from growth to growth in a crouch, doing his best to mimic Shiva's movements. The warden had a way of blending into both light and shadow, always a smooth motion, deliberate with every step. Lennox learned from everyone he watched. It was one of the reasons he persisted when so many others had fallen. He watched carefully from the shadows, moving fast and low, darting from one place to the next. He covered half a league that way, until, suddenly, Halfway between a dark alcove of trees and an extra thick growth of foliage, he stopped dead, his eyes locked forward. A crumbled fence blocked his path. Not a fence, he realized, but a true stone wall, ruined by time and torn apart by forest growth that crawled over every edge of stone it could find. The growth continued on behind the wall as large trees covered in snow stood like white columns, making it difficult to see where one began and another ended. Fastening his flail to his side, Lennox began to climb up the ruined wall. It wasn't difficult. Deep crags had split the stones long ago, causing large cracks to spill down the sides, and his armor was less a hindrance than many might think. He reached the top and took a knee, taking cover behind a large stone baluster. 
The fortress below lay in ruin. Trees and snow littered the courtyard like weeds, and many of the smaller buildings had completely collapsed, leaving nothing but a pile of rubble where once they stood. Only the main keep remained, a tall stone stronghold shaped like a cube that looked strong despite the condition of its walls. A single stairway led up to the entrance, and standing like a shadow amongst the columns of the doorway stood a man. The outline of his silhouette looked familiar. Shiva? Lennox couldn't be sure. The shadow took half a step forward, raised his hand above his head, and then stepped back again. Well now, could he be signaling me? Impossible. Lennox dismissed the thought. He was crouched low behind the baluster, and what little that showed was hidden in shadow. Still, he felt as though the shadow was staring at him. A moment later, the man turned and vanished into black. Lennox let out a sigh. He stepped back, taking a seat against the stone ruins when the sound of running footsteps padded softly behind him. He was up a moment later, squatting low, his fingers clutching at the handle of his flail as the figure came into view. Suddenly, he rose, grinning beneath his helm as he watched Astrid running across the courtyard towards the keep. He opened his mouth to call out to her but decided against it not wishing to draw attention. So it was Astrid the Warden had been signaling. He shook his head and chuckled, laughing at his own misgivings. He surveyed the forest, making sure there were no ghouls close and then stepped out from where he was hiding and walked along the top of the ruined wall until he came up to the stairwell that led down into the courtyard. He reached the bottom when he heard footsteps once again, this time coming from the gateway behind him. He narrowed his eyes, grasping tightly at his flail when Shiva appeared, turning the corner in a sprint. Shiva? Lennox said in a surprised tone. Run! was all the warden could manage as he continued past the golden knight. Lennox turned, gazing out past the ruined gate into the darkness of the woods. The whole forest seemed to be shaking. When, suddenly the ghouls appeared from the shadows. Ten. Fifteen. Twenty of them, probably more, clad in the armor of the drowned city with axes and swords in hand. Some wore leather tunics with round steel caps and carried longbows at their side. A few of them had already stopped and were notching their strings making ready to let fly their arrows. Blood and ash, Lennox yelled as he turned to follow after Shiva, moving as quickly as he could manage. Arrows flew past him one after another and the sound of the undead grew as the earth shook from their footsteps. He ditched his kite shield, tossing it to the side. The iron shield would do little to stop twenty foes, and the extra weight made it difficult to move. He ran as fast as he could, pounding towards the stairwell of the keep. Shiva was halfway to the door when he stopped and unslung his bow. He turned and let fly an arrow, then another, then another. The arrows flew past the night striking three of the quicker undead as they drew forth. Shiva continued up the stairs, releasing arrow after arrow until his quiver was empty. He turned and pounded towards the gate, with Lennox close behind him. Astrid! Shiva screamed, hoping the girl was close. Be ready to bar the door! A moment later he was at the gate, passing through the thick wooden doors as he slung his bow around his back. The door was half-closed as he threw the gargoyle's head before him and passed swiftly through the narrow opening. 
Once on the other side, he searched the room for Astrid. The girl was staggering across the room towards the door, dragging a large iron bar behind her as she did. Shiva went to her aid, taking up the other half of the bar just as Lennox came bursting through. Close the door! Close the door! Shiva screamed. Lennox turned towards the gate and pushed, shoving at the door with all his strength until at last the heavy wood slowly began to turn upon its hinges. With a final jolt, the door closed. Exhausted, Lennox faltered and fell to the floor. He ducked low as Astrid and Shiva placed the iron bar into the slots and let it fall. The heavy bar rang clean across the inner courtyard, and a moment later the horde reached the gate. Astrid stepped back as Shiva helped Lennox to his feet, and together, they stood watching the doors of the stronghold shake back and forth as the ghouls pounded on it in waves, its iron hinges moaning under the pressure. Will it hold? Astrid said aloud. I'm not sure. Lennox panted the words. His visor was up and he was wiping at the sweat as it streaked down his face. Best we don't wait around to see, said Shiva. A wise choice indeed, Lennox replied. Perhaps this keep has a back entrance. We should find it before the ghouls wander around back. Creator save us, Astrid said. Shiva looked at her inanely, his same calculating eyes unchanged by their surroundings. We need fire. Do you see anything we can use for torchlight? Astrid took a moment to look about the room before giving a reply. There were some small iron bars against the west wall. We can strip my cloak and wrap it around to burn. It will suffice, Shiva said, and started towards the west part of the keep. It was dark inside now that the door had been closed. A small part of the roof had collapsed near the center, letting in some of the night light. Stone pillars lined the tall room, yet they walked upon wooden floorboards that ran across the entirety of the keep, old wood with signs of rot that creaked with every step. It reminded Lennox of his decrepit bed. Just here, Astrid said as she unfastened her cloak and began cutting it into strips with her knife. Lennox was relieved to see that Shiva still had his flint upon him, but was surprised when the warden struck a spark and used pyromancy to enhance the flames, setting the torches ablaze. Hmm, it appears as though you have some magic as well, warden. Shiva's eyes shifted to meet him. But other than that, the warden gave no reply. With his torch in hand, Shiva walked along the columns, moving back towards the barred doors. Lennox raised his torch and followed after, his eyes peering through the dark. Something was wrong. Shiva knew it as well, but what? He searched the darkness, his eyes rolling over the pillars as the torchlight danced across them. They were standing before the entrance once more, the three of them, Shiva drew his sword. What is it? Astrid asked. It was Lennox who answered. The doors. They've stopped shaking. He reached down, unhitching his flail from his waist, wishing desperately for his shield. He couldn't have used it even if he had it, though. As dark as it was inside the keep, he'd be all but blind without the torch. Perhaps they've moved on, Astrid offered forgotten what they were doing. Lennox shook his head. After a day or two, maybe. But not this quickly. Some part of them would know we're still here, 
They might have moved to the side and searched for another entrance, though. From the corner of his eyes, he saw the warden backing away from the door. He took the cue and moved further away himself, tugging at Astrid's arm as he did. It is coming, Shiva said at last. He turned to Lennox. This foe is great indeed, Sir Knight, so I will do the noble thing and slay it for you. There was a glint in the warden's eyes, a frenzy of excitement that he could not keep hidden. Lennox recognized the look and pushed further away, muttering curses under his breath and dragging Astrid along as he went. It's best we go, my lady, he whispered quietly in the dark. What of Shiva? He's free to join us if he so wishes, but we need to move now. The girl looked at Lennox in protest, but the knight only shook his head and signaled for her to stay silent. We will meet again, Sir Knight. The warden's words echoed across the dark as he watched them depart. My mistress has foreseen it. Lennox and Astrid moved along the columns deeper into the keep, watching as Shiva's flame grew smaller and smaller, when suddenly there was a thunderous crack. The noise echoed across the keep, bouncing off the stone pillars in quick succession. The gate, Astrid said, turning to see. Crack. Again the thunder sounded, twice as loud as the first. Crack. And with that the gates were breached. The iron bar and heavy door shattered into the keep in an explosion of wooden splinters, and appearing in the midst of it stood the shadow wraith. The dark creature stood ten feet tall and held in his hands a hammer of great strength as shadow fluttered about him. There were no signs of the ghouls as the wraith crouched down and passed through the doorway and into the keep. Run! Lennox screamed. He gave Astrid a push, one hand on the middle of her back to get her started. She stumbled forward, into a lurching run with Lennox behind her. Shiva sprang forward, his scimitar drawn. The long silver blade flashed out in quick successions, and the shadow wraith faltered, surprised by the boldness of the attack. On the surface, the blade only cut through shadow. But the deeper he cut, the more resistance Shiva met. The wraith screamed out in pain, a high-pitched screech of agony. The warden's eyes gleamed with rhapsody as he readied for another strike. Too slow, the wraith attacked first, swinging his hammer in a low arc. Shiva danced away, but the distance was set now, and the demon pursued him in rage. The wraith was quick, swinging its hammer faster with every swing. Shiva evaded the blows one after another. It was all he could manage to stay one step ahead of the beast. He found himself backed against one of the columns and rolled away, just as the hammer tore into the stone pillar. The keep shuddered and was still. What was that? Astrid screamed as she ran. Keep running, was Lennox's reply. The fortress shuddered around them for a second time, then a third. Shiva could hardly believe the wraith's strength as the beast continued its pursuit, smashing through another column with its hammer. A waterfall of dry mortar followed, its white flakes drifting down like snow amidst the fading torchlight. Shiva looked up just in time to see the roof collapsing upon him. What was that? Astrid said, turning to look back. Don't stop running, Lennox screamed back at her, when suddenly the ground shifted beneath him and he fell forward. 
He looked at the floor confused and then turned back and watched as column after column cracked and tipped over, crashing down like boulders from a mountain. He watched as the cracking floorboard split, tossing Astrid into the air. Astrid. She let out a shrill scream before falling into the void below. A moment later the floor went out beneath him, and he followed her into darkness. <laughs>